0: Hey boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly guide to the sega Stational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. As always, we are the humes who think we're in charge around here, my name is Chris
1: McFeely. And my name is Dave Boomer, and we've got for you this fortnight, issue number 62, which reckons it came out on the 30th of October, 1995. It actually came out on September the 30th. The third issue released in September. Oh, just one of those cool months where they had more sonic (laughs) on the cover of this particular issue they've started a tradition which goes on for the next few issues and which you aren't going to like and uh, that is where the uh, supermarket that i bought it at has stamped over the top of the cover can you see that
0: i can see
1: that (laughs) and that's going to be on my next few
0: issues but that won't uh... that's a little surprise i mean that doesn't that doesn't bother me so much, because I'm used to the idea of the news agent yeah. writing your name on the cover. Oh, so you are, you, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't bother me. Now, of course, uh, these physical, co- this particular issue I'm working off of doesn't have anyone's name written on the cover, <laughs> but most of the copies I have do. They're really? They're
1: not my original copies, as we've said before. So yeah, they, so your go. news agent did it to you, and whoever's oh, copies you've got. That's a universal news I've, agent practice. It's new to it. me. I've never seen it before. I thought it oh, was something know. that your guy did, and that that was like a, a weird thing. For them to do no no
0: no i mean mine did it in a biro i mean some of the ones i have here have been done in a big fat thick chunky black marker okay so so
1: until now no none of my issues have any such thing but now we have a stamp with the name of the co-op that I bought it at, or that my mum bought it at.
0: That's a bit weird to me, having the co-op
1: name on It is, on isn't it? The supermarket. At the till, apparently, have stamped it. That's where you bought it from. It's like whenever they get you to stamp free comic book day comics yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, because because the reason that your newsagent and all the other newsagents you've just introduced me to are writing names on is so that they, the newsagent, know who to give the comic to. Yeah. Whereas this is for us to know who we bought it from, but all right. Yeah. Whatever, (laughs) it's nostalgic, so I'll allow it. (laughs) Enter into the annals of history. (laughs) It's a drawing of Moraine, the She-Fox, who is, uh, from last issue, who's stood there in a really cool dramatic pose, sword up, you know, sort of rapier-type sword, and she's got all of her cool fantasy clothes on, and there are some uh, ghostly... Well, you you wouldn't know they were ghostly, but I know they're ghostly claws reaching in from behind the camera, To attack, and it says female fury. Very important. We are persistently reminded that she is a she fox female. She
0: is. She
1: is. (laughs) She is a woman. Tails' new ally cuts a dash. What does that mean? Cuts a dash. It sounds like we're supposed to know, isn't it? Cut a dash. Let's find it. Is
0: it? You you cut a a dash. Oh, oh,
1: yes. I think that's what it is. So, what it is? She's got her sword. And yeah, you cut a dashing figure, but I've just Googled it and it does say what does come up and now bear in mind it comes up on the internet, so this may not be true. Ooh, you don't want to be messing around without their internet. No. Cut a dash, British, be stylish or impressive in one's dress or behaviour. The foreign secretary oh, wow. wanted to cut a dash in Brussels. So, there you go then, it's just, it's a thing people say apparently. Making it a perfectly good pun about the fact that she's got a big sword and is dressed in yeah. clothes. I guess I'll let it go. Yep. I'm fully on board. I'm happy with that.
0: Other cover lines promise a Charmy B pin-up Hooray. inside. Echo the Dolphin in space. Yes! We were right! We were right! Into we space! Yes!
2: Yeah! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Sonic's World goes out with a bang. Mm. No mention of the actual Sonic strip.
1: Hmm. Oh! Gosh. And that's weird because it's a final part and everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. And of course... In the corner, over the green, ghostly claws, mini-comic missing? Alert your news agent now! For across the well. top it tells us that this was a free gift issue, mm-hmm. and came with a
0: free marsupilami <laughs> mini-comic. Which, we've tried, yeah. we can't. Sorry no, we listeners, we failed you. That uh, this might be on Abby's copy, no. but Abby didn't, didn't even, even have, have this, this issue. One. Normally, whenever they do free little leaflets or booklets like that, mm. they're stapled around mm. the cover. But I was able to find a picture online of the comic with the mini comic still attached, and it was actually in a little baggie stuck to the front. Yes, of the, uh, and once the you
1: showed it to me, it was sufficiently familiar that I started rooting through my you know collection of little toys mm-hmm. and Your little figures, secrets. and yeah, just. But it wasn't there. I I, I will have it somewhere unless. In my last bedroom clear-out, I went, I don't remember this, and chucked it. (laughs) quite possible. Not realizing it was in any way connected to STC. Stop! Because a few weeks after we recorded this episode, and after fruitless calls to action, both on Twitter and just among people we actually know, nobody could find this thing, because nobody felt the need to keep it, I thought, just, you know, before we actually put the episode out, I thought I'd better just have a proper little look through my box of old sonic stuff and you know what it was there and it had always been there but because it's you know made of that kind of shiny paper it had just stuck to the underside of a frisbee or something and i hadn't found it and also it's very small so i hadn't found it so we reconvened and we recorded this so as suspected you
0: had this in your box of secrets had to dig a bit to find uh... it but it was in there, and it's, it's not what I remembered it being. This is more of a mini poster mag. <laughs> mm. It's a sheet of paper that's folded in, in six squares. And the comic, air quotes, is really only on the center, the, the fully folded out poster-facing page.
1: That's right, and, the, and it really is air quotes. Mm. So picture a tiny little square. It's only about the size of, ooh, six stamps. It's quite small. And, uh, no, better than that. A book of stamps. That's about the size of this, except square. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's that's what you get. Six stamps within. Uh, but this little square, and it just has this picture of Army on the front. It says, Marsupalami visits London. He's got a French flag. Mm. He's got a British flag. right? Look on the back of that. And that's where this competition is, this compo that we mm. said must be in this little comic because it isn't in the thing. Win one of three Sega Mega Drives and Army games by simply answering question one which city is Marsupilami visiting and question two what
0: color is Marsupilami? they are not even trying and then and then (laughs) i don't know what the purpose even of this bonus question is i guess it's the decider but you have to give a reason for why you think marsupalami has such a long tail oh
1: yeah i think he has a long tail because okay Mm. so um it's difficult to know which way to how to describe if you open it up it is three panels side by side. It's long when you open it up. It's not like a poster mag. It's, it's not A4 to A4 to A4. It's square to long. It's a, it's a Z-fold. A Z-fold. That's exactly... I
0: don't know it. if that's an official name, but that sounds like something you might have heard
1: somewhere once, right? Yeah. So on the... Uh, I'm going to start with the back, because the back where you have the Mega Drive's uh, compo... You fold that out, and it's basically just telling you what the Marsupilami game is.
0: Yeah, reviewed later in this issue, so we talk about that later on.
1: Yeah, and it just says, like, he's in a game, watch out for his game and his TV show. On the back of that, though, I find this quite interesting. This is in line with where the, where the front cover is. You got some merch. You can't buy the merch, it just tells you it exists. That it's just an advert for the fact that merch exists. And there's a girl in a, I don't know, a coat? A, a coat, army coat. A jacket, something, yeah, yeah. The world of fashion, <laughs> yeah, And she's got a beret on, so I guess she's French. And they really that's wear berets. Bit, I guess no, that's true. I, I was gonna. I,
0: I, that sounds like a very loaded judgment, but um, but
1: there's a picture here of someone wearing a French product, and she's got a beret on. You don't like, know that has. it's
0: necessarily a French
1: product. No,
0: this could be a Disney thing.
1: <laughs> oh, it could be, actually. And Disney are going, oh, this is a French thing. Put this girl bearful, in a beret, a beret so that they
0: will know she is French.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's probably it. But anyway, what I'm interested in is the little toys. Mm. There are two cuddly toys, one appearing smaller, one appearing bigger. And four, basically I'm prepared to go on record to say, brilliant little vinyl toys. They
0: do look nice. These are from Ideal Toys. But yeah, just, just little fixed pose marsupalamis. What's he doing, standing, sitting, lying, and standing on his hands?
1: And they're just, they're complex, they're, they're brilliantly They're modeled. great, yeah. The tails, they're not scared of having snappable tails on them, curling off everywhere. Really fantastic. I mean, they probably would snap off if you looked at them too hard, but... Probably. <laughs> I kind of want them now. It does look well. Finally, unfold it to the poster mag style inside, and we have... What we are going to generously call a comic, because they do. Mm. It's a comic.
0: More in the sense that a one-panel newspaper comic is a comic. And you get six Mm. of those. Of various scenes of Marsupilami visiting the UK. The first one is him coming through the Channel Tunnel. The second is him swinging off Big Ben by his tail. The third is him curled up in the style of a hat on a royal guard, sheltering from the rain because it rains in England, as we all know. The fourth is him visiting the crown jewels, getting a little too close because the alarm's going off, with jewels in his eyes. The fifth is uh, him uh, mimicking the pose of the Shaftesbury Memorial Fountain.
1: And what's that last one? Uh,
0: That is him uh, latching his tail onto the train as he is pulled back through the Channel Tunnel uh, to France with a bag full of Harrods merch. With his merch. So, all in all, a bit rubbish, really. It's
1: an advertising (laughs) pamphlet that does not count as a free gift. No, it's not. Under any circumstances. It's
0: it's as much of a free mini-comic as... Do you remember whenever they put that little flap of paper on the cover of the issue with the frosty spinners? And it was just a little flap to tell you they were going to tell you about frosty spinners <laughs> yeah, inside. Yeah, exactly. It's basically
1: that. <laughs> yeah, you get the sense that they were told you've got to put this on. We've made this pamphlet. Call it a free gift and make them think they want it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there are other things to talk about in regards to Marsupalami and where he came from and how he was introduced to us as kids and everything. To us, I think at the time, Marsu Balami was just a Disney cartoon. Yes. That's, this was a Disney cartoon that was on TV at the time. But it's really a Franco-Belgian comic. Mm. A Euro album. It's an Asterix or a Tintin. Mm. I do remember getting this mini-comic and looking at it and being able to identify that about yes. the visual
1: of it. Yes. And going
0: is this that
1: yeah no me too those? that certainly happened to me at some point and yes I, I i wouldn't have been able to tell you it was this but it must have been mustn't it because you can't fake that they're all good aren't they those artists and it always stands out the artist in this case his
0: name was andre Franquin, mm. and he created marsupalami in 1952 wow yeah Marsupilami was a sort of cross between a leopard and a monkey and he had a really, really long prehensile tail. And yeah. that was the source of the comedy. You could do all sorts of things with it. And it first appeared in 1952 in a uh, series called Spiru. Or yes. Spearow and Fantasio.
1: I think that's one of two or three mags that all your asterisks and stuff showed up in, wasn't it?
0: I think so, yeah. And then maybe Spearow and Fantasio may be the, um, the name of the actual strip. Spiro being the title character of the magazine. Oh, really? I believe Spearow and Fantasio are the names of the two characters right. who keep this marsupilami as a pet. Oh, really? Oh, it's literally from Spearow the comic? Yes, in the you know, similar way that the Smurfs are from right. Johan and Peewee
1: because I thought, and I might have been right about this or I might have been wrong about this, but I thought Spiru was the name of a whole magazine that had all this stuff in I think it was, I think it may have been the the title character
0: even gave his name to the magazine and then... Like Buster Yes, exactly like Buster. Anyway, so this marsupalami, this creature, appeared as the pet of the main characters until 1970 but then it was relaunched in the late 80s as its own character and it it wasn't the same marsupalami, it was another creature from the same species who was his own protagonist So the reason that there is, of all things, a Marsupalami mini-comic attached to this Sega UK comic is that in the 90s, Disney licensed it and made a cartoon out of it. It was originally part of the raw tunage series in 1992 which is also the origin point for Bonkers which was spun off into its own series and yeah Marsupalemi got spun off into his own series in 1993 and it only lasted one season of 13 episodes in fact each half hour episode was three segments Mm. and only one of those segments was original Mm. The, the second segment was either Sebastian the Crab or Schnuckums and Meat other segments that had been on Raw Tunage and the third segment was a repeat of a Marsupilami segment that had previously been on Raw Tunage oh. so they only made 13 like 8 minute Marsupilami shorts which caused the Marsupilami license owners to actually sue them for doing such a bad job.
1: Really? Yes,
0: yes. Oh wow. Yes, they were like, You you didn't put your best efforts into making this show, you didn't live up to the commitments
1: you made. They sued
0: Disney and they won.
1: Yeah, good. Because that if you because <laughs> if you make a deal with Disney in the DuckTales era, which this sort of kind of was. It was a few years out, but business-wise, they would have thought of it as the same era. And that's what you get—you get them squeezing out a couple of minutes now and then when they can be asked. Yeah, that's not good enough. And that lawsuit was in '94. You know, yeah. just
0: one year after the show. Yeah. But this is comic as in 1995. Oh, so we're already yeah. past the point. This is huh. this is what's so fascinating about this huh. is, um, because there is also contained in this issue, a review of the Marsupilami Mega Drive game. Yeah which didn't come out in America until 1996. Really? Three full years and a lawsuit separating the cartoon and the game. Wow. Which, through the vagaries of time and space and the fact that the UK only got cartoons a few years after America, both happened to come out in 1995 (laughs) for a weirdo perfect storm of cartoon (laughs) video game comic book tie-in. The cover of the comic contained a, a phonetic spelling of how you say marsupilami. Mar, M-A-R hyphen, soup, S-O-U-P <laughs> hyphen, ill, I-L-L hyphen army. L- A-R-M-Y. But and I'm from Nornayrn. You've got a rotty car over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so army
1: that? That's not how you say it. But Dave? Marsupilami.
0: Army. 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 But we'll talk about the Marsupalami game when we come to the review inside. But before we go
1: inside... Just, Just some, adverts. Adverts. Just some page We've got an advert on the back page, which is uh, quite a complicated one. Uh, it's, oh, it, it feels
0: it's... like it has been
1: ages since we had a good new ad absolutely ages and and it feels also as if the last ones we had were for lego which this is <laughs> yeah technically Lego even possibly too i think so yeah no this is lego technic the technic club this oh it's awesome club there's little bits and bobs written all over this spread the word it's a muddle and a mess this design
0: <laughs> this is a graphic design is my passion Joe. It, no it is. it is word
1: art in the middle of the page, like, over part of a character's eye, it says, looking for something different. And then elsewhere across the other eye, it says, then fill in the coupon below. And it just, it reminds me of, you know, where it says cope in the sky in the spring yard zone and stuff. It's just words in places. They're just
0: floating, free float. The fact that you were just able to say, yep, just over a character's eye, I remember this ad. Uh, just, you know, the, the sheer technical or visual of it, no. I remember it. I looked over this ad, I read this ad, and I was like, ah, Yes. It was not until I set this comic down some distance away from me, <laughs> and I had the full length and breadth to take in the whole
1: scope of the image, yeah. that I was able to go. That's a face. Yeah, it's just made out I of not so many ever bits. And and I pieces. just thought it
0: was a load of shapes.
1: Yeah, and this is coming from a man who's watched all the Bayformers films. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's what they've done is they've so it's Lego Technic, which you may know as the kind of Lego that's meant for older kids who want to be grown ups or whatever. <laughs> that's such a great description of Lego <laughs> Technic. Couldn't give a rat's ass about it. I just don't care. It, but it's the kind of Lego that has all holes down the sides so that you can slot things through it, and things can turn, and little engines and motors can do things. And what they've done is they've taken sort of uh, I think we use this word wrong, but I'm going to say clip art. They've they've taken images. That are not photographs, they're, they're technical drawings of the mm. shapes of the different bricks available in it. And they've piled as many of them as they need to together in a computer to form something a bit like a face of a person. Not, you understand, built up like Lego bricks, stacked no. carefully. No, no just, just arranged. spattered
0: the single flat two dimensional image yeah. of the cubes piled up on top of each other like a collage.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like if you had a. a Spray can brush in a paint program that sprays these bricks everywhere. That's what they've yeah. done. And look, honestly, that speaks to what it was I wasn't into about Lego Technic. It was that it didn't have any people in it. Well, apparently there were. Do you remember we
0: saw in a previous? Technic mm, that's right. That there were little people. Horrible little people. With bendy knees and everything. Comparatively short-lived, I gather. Yeah. Mm. Like, like, look at these hands. Whence? Whence these hands? Well, I say hands. Hand singular. They had one piece of clip art, which they have rotated to try and represent a left yes. hand as well as a right, but doesn't really succeed at.
1: This is a photo of a hand built out of Lego Technic. Mm. Uh, readers will be able to picture it immediately if I tell you that it kind of resembles the fingers of the um, the big boss at the end of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. You have to bash all of its fingers off. And it's holding the Technic... What? Magazine. Magazine. Tech Torque. <laughs> oh, gosh is the Technic magazine, Tech Talk. So this does appear to be an advert for the Lego Technic Equip... Oh, I've just spotted the hand again on the other side of the page, look. Pointing to the word, now... Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking
2: about.
0: That's supposed to be his other hand. Yeah. They can't... It's Saving just the same picture. photo rotated.
1: It's not even mirror flipped. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The Lego Club was always a good thing that I wanted to join. You got a patch of the Lego Pirate that you could get your mum to sew onto your trousers. You got a magazine called Bricks and Pieces. There were exclusive things. I wanted it. and never had it. This appears to be the Lego Technic equivalent of that, called Tech Talk instead of Bricks and Pieces. You get a t-shirt printed with our cool Techno logo. <laughs> oh, great. Cool. Can't wait. Mm. Literally just the word Technic written down. Oh, a ruler. You get a pen. You get a pad for all those crazy designs, and a folder to clear everything away in when you are moaned at for the mess that you're creating. <laughs> I did get a laugh at that. That's nice, yeah. And uh, tidy. I hear you shout. Yeah. <laughs> That's Welsh. Welsh people say that. Is that is that a Welsh thing? Yeah, Welsh people well, say I tidy when wrote this, then. it's like the the Welsh version of cool. Not a bad amount of
0: swag for your nine ninety five, though.
1: No, pretty good isn't it yeah i kind of balked at the price
0: at first 9.95 in Mm. in 1995 Mm i wish that was deliberate Uh, but uh (laughs) t-shirt pen ruler pad and uh three great issues of tech torque our own magazine giving technique building ideas news, special articles written by users and special items for sale, and plenty more pack items
1: may vary but Mm. will be
0: of the same value.
1: Oh. Mm. (laughs) Even Mm. better than that. (laughs) A sack of potatoes. (laughs) So that's that
0: advert. Quite hideous. Quite a hideous advert that I realise is, yeah, somehow, really deep in the memory, without me previously ever
1: having realised it was supposed to be a face. Mm. Yeah. Strange one. Mm.
2: Control Zone.
1: It's the Control Zone. We've got Megadroid here again chatting to us about what's going on in the comic. Welcome to the issue that's gone animal quackers. Okay, so we're going to have an animals theme for this Control Zone. What tired things are they going to manage to drag what out?
0: grasping attempts to tie <laughs> these
1: things that are absolutely
0: not connected together?
1: Well, there's the Marsupilami mini-comic. Okay, yes, animal. I'll give me that. I mean, I suppose it's always an animal comic, really. Well, yeah, but come on. <laughs> Featuring TV's Sunday morning Disney character from France.
0: Uh, so uh, yeah, he he did tell us that it was from France there. I guess uh, I guess that was probably my first, the first time I was really told. Yeah, that he was yeah that one one, the one of them. Yeah, 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 and he's also being clearly explained as a as a Sunday morning TV character. An on TV now over here type character.
1: Yeah, so that this was this was what I was going to ask. Is there any info anywhere online about when it was shown here? And I'm guessing now. And that's what's going on. Sounds like. Plus, you can check out a chance to win one of three Sega Mega Drives. Good. Still welcome. That must be in the mini-comic, because it's not in the comic itself. Mm, Yeah. There's also a special preview of the game Marsupilami in the review zone. Chaotix fans should get a buzz, because that's an animal. It's going to be quite easy to come up with animal connections. Yeah, from the Charmy Bee pin-up in the center pages, and even the graphic zone has gone, Animal Magic-tastic, which is one too many qualifiers. Um, Yeah, okay. Animal-tastic? Or Animal Animal. Magic, yeah, one of them. You don't go Animal Magic, do you? (laughs) No, but you definitely don't go Animal (laughs) Magic-tastic. No.
0: It's just the Charmy thing that's in there that's
1: kind of throwing it off, isn't it? That's just reaching. It's not an animal-themed pin-up, it's just Charmy. It is an animal-themed pin-up, because he's an animal, but... That's by the by in the Sonic comic.
0: Hmm. Here's an interesting thing I noticed. The, no ne- the very next thing he says here. On the Sonic comic strip front, the Brotherhood of Metallics and the Seven Badniks go out with a bang. And it's just interesting me to realise, hmm. and I feel like the last issue or two have done it as well, hmm. that they're just lumping those in as being Sonic strips. Yeah. So this goes back to how we, as we were talking a while back about how Sonic's world is presented mm. and how by this point we sort of started to feel of it after the Metamorphia two-parter, mm. the, the first half of which was really just an extra Sonic strip. Sonic's world had sort of begun a metamorphosis into just being a second Sonic strip instead of a strip about other corners of Sonic's world. Yeah. And while the strip itself remains a strip about another aspect of Sonic's world the way the editorial here is just treating it as a sonic strip yeah it's all
1: part of the slow metamorphosis it was undergoing in my head yeah, yeah yeah plus top sega superstar echo the dolphin sees stars yes we were right whilst well, knuckles and tails see uh, green yeah. in the latest installment of the revenge of trog see you in a fortnight for an issue which includes a goose-bumping graphic zone. Oh, good. Featuring your artwork at its vampish best. Looking forward to that. Must be a Halloween issue. Must be a Halloween issue. Plus, there is a chillingly cool free Sonic Eraser. See below. And I thought you boomers never made mistakes.
0: And what he means by that
1: is that, yeah, uh, down below there is a picture of Sonic with his fists up, looking all happy about something, as if he's being awarded something. And, um yeah that drawing is instantly familiar to me it makes total sense yeah. to see it on a rubber one of those shaped ones that's cut out around the shape of him
0: like if you just told me there was a rubber next issue i'd be like oh, well i guess i'll never know what that looked like but yeah i saw this picture and i was like oh no yeah no uh, yeah yeah yeah, I remember. yeah exactly and it says wipe out good good i do take issue with the descriptors just below here though there's just a general sense of stretching for content here. <laughs> oh, it's animal-themed because Charmy's in it, and it's like, mm-hmm. the Eraser is chillingly cool to go along with the goosebumpy graphic <laughs> zone. And here they describe the Eraser as a must for every boomer's pencil case, and also unbreakable, even if dropped from a mega height. Unforgettable, you'll be the envy of the classroom. Unmissable, reserve a copy of STC 63 at your local news agent now. I guess the only one I really take issue with is Unbreakable.
1: Oh, well, I don't. You know, you could drop it from a height. It's not going to break. That that makes sense to me. Well,
0: I guess if we're really going to talk about school stationery and the promises it makes... You- this is this is the dumbest sentence going on and so on, Brown, for this podcast. Do you remember school rulers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shatterproof. And do you remember how they were anything... Bu- well, Do you remember how you thought shatterproof <laughs> yeah. meant that you thought if you yeah. bent it, it
1: wouldn't break?
0: Yeah. <laughs> when, in fact, all it actually meant was if you smashed it off the table. It wouldn't splinter into a million pieces.
1: Yeah, presumably there had previously been a first generation plastic ruler that took someone's eye out by shattering into millions of pieces. I thought you were going to say took someone's life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, schoolyards
0: are a dangerous thing. You know you're- break it off the table edge and shiv someone with yeah. it,
1: you know? Yeah, so yeah, you're angry. You're so angry with someone that you just stand up, smash a ruler. <laughs> so when I hear that a rubber is unbreakable, yeah, I mean... You're imagining bending it back and
0: forth until I'm snap- it Of course I'm imagining the incredible thinnest experience of bending the rubber until that tiny little wick appears in it and then watching it slowly spread like a like an asmr experience i would be
1: fascinated to find out what our school provided rubbers were like when they were bought because by the time i ever held one in my hand they were a solid brick not even of rubber just a brick like you'd build a house with but like a kind of blackish gray that made it look as if maybe it was supposed to be white underneath. And if you rubbed with it, it made it, the most awful yeah. chalkboard noise and just metal would come out of it. Also, I don't know what was going on with those things. Oh, I don't think we had school-provided
0: rubbers over here if we did no. it before I can remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I, I just remember the synesthetic experiences yeah. associated with rubbers. Bending yeah. them over and yeah. watching them erotically crack into yeah. oh, that first little split. Oh, that little when good, it and sometimes up, whenever oh. they wouldn't go when you yeah. take your ruler to it and yeah. just yeah. a little neck into the edge And of it sometimes so Sometimes, you could
1: get it going and sometimes that didn't get it going but now you liked that you had a little ridge so you put another one in the other yeah. side and now you just had little ridges yeah. in your rubber and never mind sharpening up
0: your pencil just nice oh. and just stabbing the rubber oh. with it oh Ooh. straight in well that's yeah. the thing
1: that's the thing the rubbers i'm thinking of this was before we discovered girls you know yeah 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 the ones that <laughs> that makes it sound like we stab them <laughs> Yeah, no, the rubbers I'm thinking of were full of deep trenches Mm. with pencil lead in them where people had jabbed the pencil in and then just lifted it up and then just used it as a hammer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And what about those rubbers that were... This is really (laughs) on-brand and off-topic. What about those rubbers that were, you know, half white, half blue, and notionally yeah.
1: the blue half was supposed to be the ink rubber? Famously, you could rub out pen with that, but you couldn't. You could just not. ruin your page with it. Th- that was what I got. I mean, thinking back on it,
0: I yeah. presume the idea was that it was the more abrasive end yeah. that scoured off the top
1: layer of the paper. Uh, yeah, and that was why it was supposedly able to supposedly rub out ink. To erase yeah. pen. Yeah, I wonder if that's what they were actually for, or if we just, as a species, children, saw that it was blue, and went, oh, that must be for ink, because that's blue. No, I'm sure... I'm sure an older boy told me (laughs) that it was for ink. (laughs) Yes, but
2: who told him?
0: (laughs) Anyway, that's probably enough of that.
2: (laughs) The Sega Charts
0: One item really only of note, I thought, in the Sega Charts uh, this week, which is that Rise of the Robots, the... The ubiquitous mm. Rise of the Robots mm. in at number nine on the Mega Drive charts. Never played it. No idea what it's about. But that, that one guy was everywhere. Yeah. you know the one guy. Yep,
1: yeah, the big purple, not really a robot, not really a Spider-Man sort that of fellow That sort of uh, a lawnmower man, melty, liquid metal-looking robot
0: CGI dude that yeah. was just on all covers of Mean Machine Sega ever and posters and
1: ads on the back of everything. And, and, if we're talking about why we thought he was everywhere... They put him in the intro to Bad Influence.
0: That could be why. They changed
1: the whole intro to Bad Influence to be these like CG monitors turning around showing characters from Rise of the Robots. That was it. The whole intro was branded as Rise of the Robots for at least a series. So. There you go. But Dave, hmm.
0: speaking of some rising robots.
1: (laughs) You like that one, didn't you? I do, yeah. The Brotherhood of Metallics, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, colours by John Burns, letters by Ellie Deville. Porker Lewis rigs the defeated Metallics to explode, and sends it back into the midst of the Brotherhood, wiping out the Metal Sonics in one huge blast. Next. Porka deactivates the Alpha Device, but the Freedom Fighters can't stick around to watch the Miracle Planet turn back to normal, as it's beginning to fade away for the month. As they start heading back across the chain to Mobius, however, the damaged Emperor Metallics revives just long enough to reactivate the Alpha Device, and Porka runs back to shut it off again, and winds up stranded, and alone, on the Miracle Planet when it disappears. Ah.
0: Sonic. You know, I, I have to give my sort of overall view of this yeah. first. And that is that it's really the whole serial. It's weird, but it's kind of like the standout single moment was Mr. Blobnik. Because like, the, <laughs> yeah. the whole serial as a whole, the four parts, is the middle chapter of a trilogy.
2: Yeah.
1: In which, like, nothing happens, sort of. The Brotherhood of Metallics essentially lurk on the edge of nearly happening. For mm. four issues. In this story that
0: has their name. Mm.
1: So, you know, yeah, we're introduced to them, and that's what the purpose of the story is, sort of, even though we already have been introduced we to them. We already met
0: them in, in Chaos, But yeah. now
1: Sonic is introduced to them yeah. and the Freedom Teeners. So that I liked these four episodes. Oh, de- sure. But I absolutely. can't no, no really argue about that. that. Yeah. Mm. I like them a lot. I think they're very good, and I think they're very actually how about we look at it this way? That's part of, in fact, that's the main part of why this story actually feels really quite grown up to me. Because, like, it isn't about tentpole events happening. It's about the contemplation of how bad it would be if these guys got to do the thing they want to do. And then, of course, there's the bit with Porker. It's all very grown up, I suppose, is what I'm saying. It's one of the more pronounced, I suppose, cliffhangers. mm I guess the only
0: other big example that really springs to mind is the end of the Sonic Three adaptation, Robotnik's Revenge, when the heroes are forced out of their secret base. And mm-hmm. but that's still very much a, um, a conclusion, you know, with a sort of open ending. As yes. of what will what will our heroes do next? Whereas this does feel like a real cliffhanger ending where, you know, someone, so a character is left in peril as opposed yeah. to merely being left in a state of uncertainty and with new horizons stretching yeah. out before them as at the end of that. This is like, well, what, what did happen to Parker? W- yeah. When will we find out? He's in great danger. And, and it would have been logical to even think we might find out next issue because yeah. we're on such a big run of kitchen and Elson epics we don't oh really oh god no it's another uh, couple of months before we come back to this another couple of see i thought they were going to time it so that it's a month well you'll see on the next issue page and then you'll remember why oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this is this is just a big porker showcase really that's the thing this is an yes. all porker action
1: issue and that's great because i think johnny and porker are perhaps left a little bit on the table recently and yes. um, there's a lot you can do with them. And so, yeah, it's really cool to see that being done. It's sort of. That's another part of how grown up this feels. It feels like, you know, an episode of a TV series where it's not one of the ones where X happens, but it's one of the ones about the characters. And this one is reminding us that Porker has a lot more to him than just. That's right, Sonic, the computer says this. That, yeah. I mean, Johnny
0: gets to. You're, you're not wrong when you say certainly he's been left on the table recently because before this, we were just in a string of fairly inconsequential ones and then before that it was the sonic and knuckles adaptation where the freedom fighters weren't in it at all but you know johnny was the one who fought robotnik alongside sonic at the end of say the sonic 3 adaptation he it was Mm. him and sonic fighting together or uh badnik's bridge back at the start of the year which was a sonic amy johnny story yeah but porker yeah the last time i remember porker getting a hero moment was uh gosh carnival night zone Years ago now, yeah. back whenever he blew up the statue and everything. I mean, I guess he did. He put the Kindleborg computer on the ring, but that was the ticking clock in the background in that story. But anyway, it's just nice to have Porker getting some uh, getting some attention. I mean, this is this is essentially the start of the biggest role Porker will ever have in the comic.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Um, and and I don't think we should spoil anything, but no, we know what's going to happen to Porker, and it's actually. Arguably one of the most mature things they do yeah. in all of STC. I would agree with that, yeah. So, like, in the real sense, in the mature sense. And so, like, cool. Like, I was surprised to see that this is it. Here he is, trapped on the Miracle Planet. Which is scary, like that. It's funny how it is scary, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. obviously, it happened to Sonic and Amy
0: before. And we... I'll but... tell you
1: what the difference is. Sonic, we know, the whole premise of Sonic is it doesn't really matter what situation he's in. He'll be fine. Porker Lewis has no such attributes Yeah, he is. He's just poor old Porker. Isn't he's it? just poor old Porker. In fact, the way I, I can't remember how I responded to it at the time, or if I did really respond to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what I
0: thought. Yeah. No,
1: but looking at it now, it strikes me that like, Porker getting trapped on the Miracle Planet for a month feels like if both your parents went to prison for a month and you just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's... If you were just like, how am I going to survive for a month? Like, he's going to have to find his tea. <laughs> yeah sir, it's just the way you
0: said that I was I realized I was framing it the opposite way you were intending it in oh. my mind, like I was imagining being stuck on the miracle planet as going to prison. Oh, yeah, well, um, I suppose so. But that's like Sonic, you know, it's like if Sonic went to prison for a month, yeah. it'd be all right, he'd survive. He'd be fine. But but it's like, if you if your parents went to prison and, you, and, and it's the idea of being left alone... That's what it while is. ...while your parents went to prison, is Porker being left on the Miracle Planet? Yes.
1: That's what I'm trying to say. Something about the fact that he's got this big, round, pink, baby-looking head, essentially. He reads... Not the rest of the time. I don't think of Porker as a child character no, at no, no. all. But in this instance... Him being the one who gets stuck there, that's like a child being lost. Rather than, if Sonic does, that's like a parent being lost. You're just like, oh, they'll be fine. Probably.
0: (laughs) Because you're a stupid child who doesn't understand the dangers of the world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so it really feels like a big, excitingly big threat to a character who deserves chances to shine and putting them in danger is a way of doing that
0: i mean he's already had many great moments in the course of this trip it was sonic's plan because remember the end of last issue sonic went i got a new plan and it turns out the plan was let's have porker solve our problem (laughs) he reprogrammed the metallics and uh sends it back in amongst them then he's the one that pushes the button that blows it up and then he sonic's all fit to just yank the alpha device out of the miracle planet i can't remember if we hundred percent confirmed this was what was happening at the end of last issue but yeah the the alpha device is turning the miracle planet back into metal as it was once before yes
1: i must admit i do remember never quite knowing exactly what the alpha device is supposed to do like i know that what it does is you plug it in and metal grows out around it and then that covers the whole planet and i love that and that's frankly mm. probably something that happens in a majority of stories that i've ever written that have bad technology in them is that that, <laughs> that creeping the, the stuff is going the singularity love that But I don't think I ever really intuitively felt a connection between that and what the Metallics are doing it for, which is that the resulting planet will then be a source of infinite power for them.
0: In the same way that the original Metal Miracle Planet was able to power the original Metallics.
1: Yeah, I think I should try and imagine that it's that the tech itself is like power generating tech. So once it's as big as the Miracle Planet... You know,
0: I, I don't know that the idea is that it's power generating tech. The implication to me seems more like... The miracle planet, planet of miracles, holds
1: a power within it. Oh, and this is going to lock that power,
0: transforming the planet into metal. It will allow them to access the energy of the planet.
1: Yeah, okay, that that helps because I've been. I think I see it like a kind of a toffee apple, where the inside, (laughs) where the inside and the crust are two separate things. But if I if we allow that, the planet is inherently sort of magic, and this is just putting that in a big machine to use Mm. like if you put a Chaos Emerald in something, if you put a Master Emerald in like. an Earth Egg, that sort of thing. Now I get it. So, yeah, but I, I didn't really get it. But then. I
0: wouldn't imagine that the uh, the metal is necessarily just creeping across the surface of the Miracle Planet. In this case, I get an impression we're going core deep on the transformation. Oh,
1: cool. So soon. The, I, I, now I'm imagining there's like a single route going all the way through the base. And so at the polar opposite side of the planet, it's going to pop out and start spreading from there and meet in the middle. Could do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But Sonic is just fit to yank this out and Porker's yeah. like,
0: No, no, you can't, I'm picking up massive energy readings, you gotta close down a booby trapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The operating the
1: operating system is booby trapped. It's something I really like. It's like, you know, because it back in those days, you know, when we didn't you know, we didn't know what to do with operating systems. So it's <laughs> it's like it's a physical, it's like a booby trap, but it's like a computery booby trap. I like it.
0: <laughs> and then when our heroes Head back across the chain. Mm. Like basically what happens is the alpha device starts venting the energy that it absorbed from mm. the Metallicses that it's using to power itself. They can't sit around and wait for it to finish and be sure that it's finished because Mobius is fading away. So they hop on the chain, they head back. But Porker is the one who sees as he turns around that the severed torso <laughs> yeah. of the I don't think that that's ever really had cool. legs. you know. That's the conclusion I've come to. That's not just a metallic sitting in a throne. Yeah. He never had legs. No, no,
1: no, he never had legs but the throne is gone here so he's just all he can do is drag himself forwards by his big hands and he reactivates the alpha device and porker
0: doesn't even hesitate on porker
1: yeah runs right back even as
0: amy's going it's too late i've got to try and he's the only one who can stop it he knows he is he rushes right in there good on that porker
1: honestly yeah it's a proper good guy moment. moment He is a hero. I don't know if that truly registered to me back at the time. No.
0: I don't remember ever having any dislike of Porker or anything. No. I don't quite like Porker, but I don't remember if I really thought, wow, Porker, yeah, good on you.
1: Neither do I, except we've just had an episode of End of Mobius where Mm. Porker does a really cool heroic thing and we were both like, yeah, Porker! So (laughs) I I guess that may have rubbed off on me in
0: some way. Also, also, (laughs) we're approaching that now as adults... Knowing what lies in store for Porker yeah. and are now all the more eager to see Porker yeah. happy and making good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> Mm. John Burns's color a bit different on this one, didn't you think? Much more reminiscent of Elson's usual palette versus the saturated, yes. heavier, more vibrant colors we've been seeing in the last couple of issues. Yeah, he's trying different things, and they've all been fairly successful. The things oh, that yeah. he tried. It's just, uh, uh, I, you know, I certainly I wasn't wasn't intending to describe his more vibrant colors from the last few issues as unsuccessful, no, just v- visibly different from Elson's. Whereas this is, there's less of a. Uh, Is dissonance the word I want? You know, it's not like there was ever a really big conflict before. It's just we were so familiar with Elson's work and you could just tell looking at it that something was different. And it's not that the same is true here, but less so is really all I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure I'd have necessarily known if the credit wasn't there. I might have thought, oh, you know, Elson's trying something a bit different here, maybe. But I might not have even thought that if it wasn't for the fact that there's... Still, something different about the way he does the shine down the front of Sonic's head. That's
0: what I was going to say. It's airbrushing rather than just little uh, watercolor squiggles. Hmm. That's that's the big the big visual difference is the use of an airbrush here. Yeah, look at so- look at um, second to last page there. Look at the back of Amy's head. Oh yes, yeah. Or even the back of Porker's head. The shadows on Porker in particular are very airbrushy. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's just it's it's exactly the same sort of white airbrushed sheen on both Amy and Sonic, which I suppose makes sense. They are both hedgehogs after all.
1: After all, yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's it's a sheen that's seemingly unique to the head of Sonic and Amy, like that isn't Porker
0: does have a sheen, but it's uh it's different. It's a different color. It's different. He's sort of peachy peachy colored sheen versus the white that Sonic classically always uses. Hmm. And then Johnny's in like. Johnny has about one line of dialogue in this, and then still every close up of his head is him going, "Oh, um, oh, it's oh, oh <laughs> got his eyebrows on like, again." Yeah, God, come on, where, where is Johnny's moment?
1: Yeah, do we get <laughs> I Johnny? Don't know if Johnny ever gets a moment? I can't remember. I hope so. They
0: do some stuff with Johnny, but it's more rooted in the fact that he is boring, and they're desperately <laughs> trying to find something to do with him mm. because of that, rather than this, which feels like a natural outgrowth of Porker's established skill set.
1: Yes, even though. It writes itself in the sense that the fact that Johnny is straight down the line and kind of boring should play very well against the fact that Sonic is so cocky and like essentially prone to walk into danger. And if he's the leader, that makes him dangerous in a sense. And so Johnny could be the foil for that.
0: I just remember Johnny gets a Sonic's world does he he does yeah well it's a little well he's the he's the goody in it let will put it that okay. way okay um yeah yeah well, that's that's uh very close actually not so far away at all yeah. there is one thing and this is really <laughs> silly right okay but you see that the full page splash of the metallics explosion absolutely flipping love it love it indeed we were talking about metallics eyes recently <laughs> Yes, I was talking about how I always imagined the metallic eyes were—they were, were just a, a ring, a red ring—and I'm pretty sure that's the, the intention of the design, yeah. and certainly how he's rendered today. Yeah, but you—you you were making out more like like Elson was drawing the the metallic emperor without pupils. And and we see in this explosion no, 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 and a a nice big close-up of a metallics blowing apart that that Elson has in fact always been (laughs) intending the centre of the metallics' eyes to be an entirely separate black lens.
1: Yeah, that's popping off this one here and casting a shadow against the unbroken red that it sits in, which doesn't even have a hole in it for this lens to go on. It's just, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, look, you know the way drawing works we can't say he always intended anything this this no, true. on this one occasion, he seems to have gone like oh i'm gonna do squigglies in his eye as well which weren't there before so there is a certain amount of projection. it's just drawing a really cool picture but uh yeah. it is a really cool picture and uh yes it is odd that the- look i i didn't even th- do you know what i didn't even really look at this This is an incredibly cool picture. Look at look at that one in the top right just going proper. Off into the background. It's amazing. Yeah, there's bits of metallic and one flower. One flutter. Popping and off in all the rest. Spinal
0: areas. columns spiraling yes. off into the center yeah. of the
1: page. We now know that metallics have spines. <laughs> That's really, 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 really cool. I mean, it's just wires and stuff. It's such, just wires. The is, yeah. it's like, I tell you what, it's like, um, readers, picture a shower head cable. You know that thing yes, where it's got like yes. the rings going up it in, a, in what might be a spiral or might be rings? I'm just looking <laughs> at the picture. No? It's amazing. <laughs> and so this all leads us up to... It's an incredibly heavy ending. It is sinister, Mm. it is frightening, and it is so good. And I love it. As
0: I said in the summary, the Metallics Emperor reactivates the thing, and then it immediately keedles over again. The
2: Brotherhood of Metallics cannot be defeated. It is our destiny to...
0: (laughs) Down it goes. And Amy says, as the Miracle Planet disappears and takes Porker with it... The Emperor seemed to collapse. I don't think Porker's in any danger. And Sonic says, somehow I can't help feeling we haven't seen the last of the Brotherhood of Metallics. I feel like that line has been used a few too many times recently. <laughs> we haven't seen
1: the last of X. <laughs> well, true, but it does mean that you get, as a reader, you get to go, yes, we haven't seen the last of X.
0: Yes, the more. Yeah. yes. It's a month before the Miracle Planet reappears. I guess we'll find out what's happened to Porker then. It's funny, I was just saying recently that um, with the Mechanic story that Lou did recently, Mm. and it ended on a tease for his next story, which begins next issue. And Kitching, meanwhile, over in the Chaotic story, even further back than that in the Sonic & Knuckles adaptation when he had the Mecha-Sonic show up, was setting up the seeds for this. So it's like these two authors have both at the same time elevated their game, Mm. And moved up to telling their own serialized stories that they're actively seeding in advance and doing. So, as I say, this is really the first serial to end on a real cliffhanger Mm. that's like, come back for the next part of this story. It's a bit like how I remember when I was a kid, wondering to myself, you know, why is Countdown to Disaster considered a separate story? You know, they would Mm. uh, when disaster started and the Death Egg launched and the cover screamed, new story! And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's just a (laughs) continuation of where we left off last time. Because Countdown to Disaster obviously does end on a huge cliffhanger of the, you know, the, the fiery clouds rising as the Death Egg ticks off, which leads directly into the start of disaster in the next issue. So I suppose in that sense... This isn't new in that regard, because that was a previous multi-part story that ended on a cliffhanger that fed directly into the next one. But come on. (laughs) This one is a big cliffhanger that's going to have a month or two in between it and the resolution in in a genuinely new Sonic story where one has happened in between. Yeah. Which may be an overly pedantic separation of things, but I I just feel like this was something we hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe then this goes back to something that we heard from Nigel a while ago. Perhaps this is the first time that he feels completely comfortable in the knowledge that he is going to get rehired to tell any story he wants later on and he can just have a little cliffhanger there he can resolve it later because we heard from him that in the early days richard burton didn't want multi-part stories and so the way they got around that was by going just this one time i'll do just one that's got more than one part because i can't cram it in otherwise i wonder if you know countdown to disaster stroke disaster was the result of a way of getting that done it's not an eight-parter it's one two-parter and then one this he doesn't have to do that anymore he doesn't have to he can just say like oh yeah i'm picking this up later this is my job now
0: yeah yeah like i am versed in the way that the freelance comic industry works now uh-huh. as an adult but it's even now it's still weird to me to imagine that these guys like weren't on staff to do this <laughs> given how long they did this for yeah but it's also interesting that if you look at the surrounding comic. Guys like Kitching and Stringer are becoming two in a, people in a much smaller pool of mm. guys that they are hiring yeah. to do this. Yeah. You know, we have seen, for instance, Woodrow Phoenix didn't come back to do Echo the Dolphin. Uh, Kitching just did Sparkster, whereas a year ago you would have expected that to be handed off to someone else. Kitching just did Streets of Rage. Mm. You know, the other strips are being given over to them. This is their comic. Yeah yeah you're right there so it's hard for me to even think about how they were just freelancing yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a really interesting point point. and isn't it interesting that it's that has finally cemented at the same time that they make their first appearance in front of the public as the staff of stc yeah yeah talking about the the convention yeah. last issue yeah
0: next issue a great new sonic story Hooray! Yeah. a very unassuming tease for what will be a story of the scope and importance as what Kitchen is doing, but you can come back next issue to find out more. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> review Zone! Yeah,
2: Review, review
1: Zone! zone. Huh? Marsupilami! Yeah, we've got a two-page review zone here. Uh, the Mega Drive game based on Marsupilami. The depending on which way you think of it, cartoon or comic pre-release version reviewed.
0: Well, I feel like this one is definitely based on the cartoon because interesting fact.
1: Go on. For a given value of interesting,
0: <laughs> the comic books presented marsupilami as being a South American creature, found in the jungles of South America. Right. But the cartoon had uh, gorillas and elephants, African
1: creatures. Uh... So and there's an elephant in this game. So this is definitely this is definitely based on the oh, cartoon. Right. Well, I looked up the uh, game on YouTube, and uh, Mm. it looks like it's... Basically, I don't know if this is a reference anyone listening will get. It's a Sleepwalker, which was a game on the Amiga. On On the the Amiga! Amiga. It was a comic relief tie-in, but it was on Games Master, so it was well-known.
0: Never mind the listeners, (laughs) dear. Not all the hosts got that reference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a game in which there's a little boy... Dressed as a wee willy Winky, he's got out of bed, he's sleepwalking, you're a dog running around, making the, the level so that he oh, can survive it.
0: Oh! Oh! Yes, that does sound familiar.
1: Yeah, and this... Well, it was on Games Master. You'll have seen it there, and it, it was promoted because it was a comic on relief Games time. <laughs> and Games um, And that's the genre game this is. You are Marsupilami. There is a big elephant walking around, and your job is to get the elephant to the end of the level by doing stuff such as turning your tail into steps for him to walk up because the way it works is that Masu, this is quite interesting from like you know the perspective of anyone who's interested in how games were made and who might know a bit about the coding of them Masu Palami is a sprite but has coming off the back of him this tail that is something other than a sprite it's it's some kind of an effect of the sort that you would see like the scrolling text in a demo use it's a wave mm. of alternating yellow and black stripes which constantly waves uh, behind him except in the first screenshot where it's missing for some reason and it constantly does this waving motion but it also follows him around like it's as you jump it, it like the eggs in yoshi's island it kind of tracks where you've yeah, gone you. yeah. and follows that line so it's being done somehow some other way it's like an effect but yeah, you can turn it into steps. I bet you can swing across gaps on it. Oh, no doubt. I didn't yeah. see that, but I bet you can.
0: Uh, what does it say? Um, you can collect 10 different icons, including steps, a winch, and a bridge, all of which enable Marsupalami me to use his tail to transport Benelli, mm. that's the name of the elephant, Benelli, up, over, and under obstacles. Right. This review is by Neil Bryant, who is a new name we've not oh. seen on the Review Zone before. As the Review Zone inches towards its slow phase out. Interesting to see some new names creeping in. Yeah. Seems to have been fairly well-reviewed anyway, although the raves and graves are nothing. Raves, another dude with attitude and graves. Tricky game to master. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) It's interesting to look back at a point in time whenever they thought this was going to be some kind of hot thing, didn't they? Yeah. Marsup, I mean, that was was not a good cartoon. No. Have you exposed yourself to the theme tune in the build-up to this episode? No, I haven't, actually. Dave, please... Please do it in our live honour. This is Disney. This is a yeah. Disney cartoon. You know, not, not too long after your tail spins yep. and your dark-winged ducks yep. and that.
1: Very good at theme tunes. Okay. Marsupilabi intro. There we go. Marsupilabi. Come running run into the jungle. Got the tail to tell. We'll have a swing in time singing. ba, Hoobah. ba. Oh, yeah, this is familiar now. Marsupilabi. Uh, yes, this is a... Choice, isn't it? Not a choice we would tolerate today. They would get in a lot of trouble if they did this now. Mm-hmm. Well, basis aside, it's um
0: it's bad. a sense of, of racism about it. No great surprise this. I was going to say didn't get another season or didn't get more than 13 episodes, but barely got that. Yeah. <laughs> and they sued him because it didn't. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this game itself looks like it would be a bit boring. The jump doesn't look satisfying. There's collectibles that you just have to get and they make a little clicky sound and there's no real point. The tail is an interesting mechanic and the fact that you have... The fact that in a game about a fast little swingy, spry little thing in the jungle what the mechanic is is to prepare bridges for an elephant to be able to go across it's more of a puzzle game if you're into that sort of thing maybe it would be interesting i think it would be a bit boring certainly not the approx 40 quid that it's suggesting you'd be paying for it here
0: even though only 40 quid then the the price of cartridge games is coming down Mm -hmm.
2: echo the dolphin
0: Return of Echo the Dolphin, Part 3, written by Alan McKenzie, art by Steve White, letters by Tom Frame. A current carries Echo and the Black Pearl out of the trench, where they're met by the Asterite. Made whole again by reuniting with the Pearl, the Asterite cures Echo's radiation sickness, then sends the Dolphin flying into space, armed with the knowledge and power
1: he will need to rescue his friends from the Vortex. Right, this is really cool. (laughs) Great! Yeah. <laughs> a whole page of this is taken up with Echo going supersonic in a way that, it, like, even supersonic never looked as rad as this. Two pages, a two page spread, is taken up with the asteroid turning from a kind of DNA helix into I don't know what the name for the shape is, but like a load of rings of balls spiraling around the central pearl. Mm. It just. And then he goes to space! <laughs> he blasts off into the universe!
0: This is well good! And it's so cool the way he does... What the asteroid does is, uh, first of all, it gives... It it allows... I I guess they had said this at the end, maybe, of the previous serial. I don't remember this being the asteroid's specific promise, but he teaches him the language of the Vortex. Mm. And Echo doesn't understand how that will help him rescue his friends. And the asteroid explains that there's a a portal to the Vortex's world above the Earth, and it's through that that they stole all of Earth's uh, sea creatures. Because Earth's creatures can pass safely through it, but they can't come back through it from the other side. And it's by having the Vortex as language that he'll be able to activate and operate the machines from the other side and free everybody. Mm, Yeah. I love it, though. You know, Echo asks him this question. is Now, are you
2: ready? Do not be alarmed, Echo. Yes. You will feel no pain.
0: Only knowledge. Yes! (laughs) Zaps him and it's... (laughs) And then Echo just opens his mouth and then a speech bubble full of weird, crackling alien symbols comes out of him instead. It, It... He's just asking a question because the Asteroid, you know, Echo
2: goes,
0: (laughs) and the Asteroid goes, Not at all. You will be perfectly safe.
1: Didn't we previously establish that this is pronounced
2: (laughs) (laughs) as
0: style? No, for me, it's always Alice the Goon. (laughs) (laughs) When they joined the army. Um, (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But the Asteroid simply answers him. Yeah. But it's great. It almost looks like Echo is. I don't know that it's necessarily the intention because it because the the narrative of the story is such that he simply asks a question that they ask the right answers. Yeah. But you get the impression that his mind is flooded with yeah. beautiful, terrible knowledge, yeah. and he opens his mouth as if to scream, and only this this knowledge, this newness, spills out. Yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. That's the same note that I made. Well, the note I made was: you will feel no pain, only knowledge ah <laughs> perhaps i was feeling a little bit uh, existential as i read that sentence i don't know but certainly it happened to me but yeah the the way the alien language is drawn which we've seen before in the early uh, strip i believe hmm. in the in the previous series
0: yeah i think it, i'd forgotten you're right i think we did yeah then the, one of the machines talked with those yeah symbols, that's right didn't
1: it? and it isn't they're not drawn in lines they're just drawn in a hmm. in a compact kind of Circle where there's no space missing, it's a perfectly circular speech bubble. Yeah. And then Tom Frame has just drawn whatever
0: yeah. to fill the, the space of the circle.
1: Which doesn't that give you this impression of a sort of a 3D language and non linear frame of thought? Yeah, what's oh, the yeah. film with the talking to the aliens and putting your hands uh, in tentacles? Arrival, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like Arrival, a non linear language, brilliant. And that's all echo, we the reader. Cannot now understand Echo. For the whole of the rest of the strip, except the very last panel, when we see his thoughts, whenever Echo speaks out loud, it's just this <laughs> machine language thing, this alien thing script. And that's amazing because he keeps screaming in it, even as there's no one to talk to, even as the yeah. asteroid isn't replaying anymore, and he's just launching out through the... There's this, there's this moment where you see him rocketing up towards the surface of the sea, then blasting out. Oh, this bit is out. so
0: good. He dives back down into the trench yeah. at the asteroid's instruction, surrounded by a barrier of energy yeah. the asteroid places around him. And he whips around and he spins up, just like in, just like in the game, whenever you have to dive down deep yeah. to swim up to get the height on your jump. Yeah. And he goes up, 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 up. And then like a rocket he breaks and everything goes on <laughs> up and he goes into space.
1: <laughs> and it's all painted so brilliantly. It's the art, mm. the art is amazing in this. So good! A strange shift to past tense in the, na- in the caption boxes.
0: Oh, yeah. Using the force of the upcurrent, Echo rocketed oh, towards yeah. the surface. As he broke the surface, the power of the asteroid propelled the dolphin beyond the blue waters of his home and protected his streamlined body from the ravages of the thinning atmosphere until at last Echo swims... Tense shift. Echo swims oh. in the sea of stars.
1: Ooh yes yeah and that last mm. is what i was referring to that's echo's thoughts
2: in the Ooh. sea of stars
1: and it's like something I, it's just cool yeah the way that that narrative just connects up with what he's thinking and that's the only way we can understand him anymore something i've noticed just now mm. is that the stars are glued on on his head they're not part of the original.
0: Yeah, art. that's throughout this strip. Yeah, they're they're not drawn as if they are part of him. No, and um, they even have
1: little tiny borders around them implying that yeah, they're like from a, a sticker set or something, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, like he stuck them onto the line art. I don't believe it's been doing that before.
1: No, so perhaps he just forgot to put the stars on and they had to do it in editorials.
0: <laughs> clip art it on there. Yeah,
1: just say to the letterer, Oh, you couldn't put some stars Steve, on. Steve,
0: where's the where's the stars? <laughs> oh f- <laughs> <laughs> It's the one thing that he has. <laughs> oh gosh, this is good though. Oh, really, yes. really? Looking forward really to this, seeing how this wraps up. When we well, say wraps up, we're only halfway yeah.
1: through it, you know. Wait, wait. We. So we're gonna get a good like half a story in sci-fi dolphin space stuff. Yeah,
0: in the in the world yes. of the
1: vortex or whatever. Like yes. next issue into the vortex. Oh, I could never get as far as the space stuff in either of the games I've never even seen. it No. Because the Dreamcast one I played a lot of, and I never got past level 3. Like, it was hard. <laughs> it was complicated and difficult. Yeah.
0: If I really sat down with the Mega Drive Mini, I could maybe get somewhere with it. Yeah. But it is, it is a languid and ponderous game. Yeah. Yet somehow also terrifying and frantic at the same time if you run, start running out of air and it's like... <laughs> mm,
1: mm, <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's games as art is Echo on the Mega Drive and on the Dreamcast. <laughs> it's a proper piece you should try it boomers so yeah we successfully predicted from the hints we were given that he was going to end up in space well they
0: said what the sea of stars like four or five times <laughs> last, <didn't you? laughs> we just let you go to space
1: shush, shush, shush. i'm doing a link i'm doing a link because chris accurately predicted last episode <laughs> <laughs> i did didn't I? yes
0: we turned to the center pages and we have a charming b Pinner. In which, yeah. yes, it is his control art from the Chaotix game in a landscape format where Charmy is almost entirely confined yes. to the left hand page and the right page is just the hand holding the ring around which they have placed the name yes. Chaotix and Charmy Me to sort of fill up the space a bit.
1: <laughs> yes, and they've done it, yeah, because they've got, they're aware they've got a page that's just got a big re- yellow ring in the middle of it. They've gone, oh, I'll tell you what then. Charmy B can go under that in like a bow to, to follow the shape of the circle. And uh, uh, Chaotix will put Chaotix at the top. So now it follows the circle around. They've done all right. They've done all right. Well,
0: with that, I don't know they've done such a good job of cutting out Charmy.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is straining against the very boundaries of Zoom, isn't it? Like, it's mm, this is a yeah. very small picture that they've really stretched out. And also, you know, even then, there's a lot of dead space. So they've, as well as putting STC pinup in an unusually big logo, even for that, mm. they've also put all of these sort of star explosion things in the background to make just a little collage of shape and colour to fill up a bit of extra space. They've tried. They've worked so hard to get this to work as a pin-up. As
0: I recall, there are a run of rather dodgy underwhelming ups <laughs> in the very near future i'll be interested to see what kind of artistic tools they employ to try and gussy them up like this mm. <laughs> New Zone.
1: okay so now and then on this podcast i because i happen to have a resource that fits the general theme of the podcast which is remembering what it was like to live in 1995 as kids I have a diary from that time and I, I, I see if there's anything of, of any relevance in it. Yes, we
0: haven't heard from the diary in a while. No, well, there
1: often isn't anything of any relevance at all. It, frankly, Chris, this is a quintessential being 13 in 1995 ass Fortnite, right? Yes. There's so much stuff in here. I'm not even going to read it directly. I'm going to tell you some of the things I found. I'm watching my first X-Files. Oh. I'm watching my first young ones. I'm watching Space Precinct. Do you remember that? I do remember Space Precinct. Uh, I'm complaining here that Children's World, the uh, toy shop Mm. and things, is now ruined because it used to have a Mega Drive, a Master System, a Game Gear, a Game Boy, and there's Anna Snares all playable. Sonic 1, Alex Kidd, Mickey and Castle of Illusion, Tetris, Mario 1, and some racer. I'm referring there to F-Zero. <laughs> 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 but uh, now, all they've got left is a Mega Drive with Moonwalker. They're not even upgraded to anything. That's it. That's all. Moonwalker? Yeah, I know! Is day and age. Not even Sonic 2. Moonwalker, for some reason. But, when did children's worlds close another couple of years but then it was on it was on the downs yeah
0: yeah, that had begun
1: yeah so life as a boy in 1995 listen to this i got 100 lines from the headmaster (gasps) (laughs) it was i know what to do in assembly along with gary gary handed his in at the start of dinner he's obviously done his in the first lesson i did mine during dinner and handed them in at the end and he said exactly that we compared notes at the end, and he gave exactly the same speech to me as to Gaz. Now, I'm trying to remember well, what did you I get in got trouble in trouble for? What? That's what I want to know. I yeah. don't really care about the speech. It, it doesn't say here, but I know what it is. At least mm. I think I know what it is, because I can remember the one time that I think was the one time that I got sent out of assembly.
0: Oh, mucking about. And
1: it was because. I just don't know how it. I don't know how Gary is involved. Yes, I do. I've just remembered Probably making him laugh. Correct. I was sat there not meaning to make anyone laugh i was idly doing the thing where a squirt at a time (laughs) you fill your cheeks up with air do you know what i mean duke a duke a duke a duke and then silently mind you you take two fingers and you just press the cheeks in and the air silently mind you goes away and then of course (laughs) I get it wrong and go... (laughs) (laughs) And this makes Gary laugh so much that we both get lines. I bet that was what it was. I don't remember Gary laughing, but I bet that was what it was. I'm sure I must have got lines once or twice, but
0: I don't really remember any specific instances. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember one time I didn't bring my PE kit on
1: purpose oh god yeah of course
0: because god any DOS that was possible yeah. you know, any chance to get out of that no absolutely you know, Wednesday of course, yeah. afternoon and read comics I and another another boy we would often both have our kids because you couldn't like leave the house without them
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah but
0: then you would just claim you'd forgotten you them.
1: said you'd forgotten and them, yeah. then
0: you just sat on the side and read comic and wait yeah oh no yeah well done yeah
1: and sometimes you had to do this carefully you had to actually hide from other kids the fact that you had your pe kit because that now and then someone would dub you in yes he has seen it
0: i was more of the kind of goody two-shoes that would look judgingly upon any kid that did that right so it was only in now in my later years that i was like i really cannot be playing basketball no i'm I'm gonna read i'm gonna read this yeah i I
1: just they stopped punishing me like i just never did it oh yeah
0: (laughs) Well, no, I, can, I remember uh, the vice uh, principal who was uh, subbing, I guess, that time. I, I think that was just the, the issue,
1: was just that I was only pulled up on it that one time and got lights off him. Monday the 9th of October, 1995. So I've survived another Monday, but even... <laughs> world weary already. Look oh, at
0: Garfield over here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I've survived another Monday, but even though it's only October, I've caught Christmas craving. And you'll see why I'm reading this out on this podcast. Oh, yeah. It's not the actual day I'm craving right now. I'm looking forward. No, understatement. Just writing about it is sending me hyperactive. Oh, I'm so excited. What about? I want to go to the shops. I have to go to all the shopping centers, especially the Brill ones. Just for the decos! <laughs> I love decos! I think they're great. I love those Chrissy Decos. (laughs) Chrissy
0: Decos. (laughs) Not even Crembo Decos.
1: (laughs) Chrissy Decos. I'm also for the first time drawing a character that I'm drawing right now in real life to go in the latest iteration of my flipping comic. On the next page here, listen to how 1995 this is. Friday the 13th. No mention of the fact that it's a Friday the 13th. No spookiness jokes or anything like that. You know. Just set my watch alarm for Power Rangers. It's part two of the wedding between Rita and Lord Zed. No. I can. T- these are the things. These are the priorities of a 13 year old boy in 1995. I can turn my wobbly tooth round anti clockwise so that it's all the way back round in the same position again, a full 180 degrees. Ugh. <laughs> Now marks the start of a fabulous, wonderful, amazing, fantastic, beautiful, brill, fab, smart, ace, cool, hip and hot and cool and trendy, really quite good. Tidy. Week of holidays, half term. That's nine days if you count both weekends. Which you do. Which you do. The other day, and I've told you this, I found out I'd won a Mighty Max Skullmaster set. Yes. We've already got it. So I'm selling it for £20. Mum's already arranged it, so she's giving me the dosh in advance tomorrow. So I'm going off to Loughborough, and I'm going to be buying the mask on video. Because it's 1995. 1995. And I'm going to buy the pog board. Oh, you're still not over them pogs yet. The pog board game. Apparently, you get 100 pogs with it. Bloody hell. And if I've got a fiver left from all that, then I'll wait until I find the World Tour Pogs Fiver Pack. No! No! Never mind that. I'll save any leftover dosh for stuff from the Disney Store, preferably Pocahontas-related, because that's still upcoming. I don't know it's bad yet. Ah, you don't know it's bad yet. (laughs) It's exciting. Or maybe I could buy the Mask cartoons on video. Could be. Or even I could buy a CD. I am in the money. How much is the mask costing on video that you're able to buy that and a
0: board game and hypothesize you'll have a fiver left over from 20? Videos were expensive.
1: <laughs> well, I don't I don't remember. But it's all speculation. I might not have had any money left over. It's true, yeah. frankly, I don't think I... I remember that day. I'd forgotten about the mask. I remember the pogs. I think I bought a couple of Smurf figurines. But never mind that. Next week is CITV's 40th anniversary and they're putting on loads of stuff. <laughs> They're putting on Supergram. They're putting on Wurzel Gummidge. They're putting on the first series of Sooty. Can't wait. Good night. Oh, what it was to be a 13-year-old boy in 1995. But, Chris, there's a harrowing look into the other side. Uh-oh. Because in this same two-week span, I overhear in art class a conversation between the girls on the next table... And one is telling the others about a harrowing dream that she had the previous night, Mm. in which she's had a baby, Mm. and she loves it, and it's hers. And then she loses it in a train station. And during the terror of that, she gets banned from school for having a reputation for getting pregnant at this age. And she can only sit and cry. And then, when she wakes up in real life, she spent the first few minutes of her day wandering around the bedroom in a blind panic trying to find the baby. Oh, God, that's awful. Anyway, Rita Repulsa's getting married and might spend some pocket money on Disney CDs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the divide. That's what's happening to the sexes at that time, Chris. Yeah, yeah. These young
0: girls <laughs> becoming women and they have steadfastly refusing to grow up in any capacity.
1: <laughs> I'm off to buy some pugs, mate. Pogs and Power Rangers. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry to all of our female listeners like how much of a better time I was having. <laughs> oh.
0: Can we move on to Knuckles then. <laughs> yeah. That was grandma's I balls.
1: Know. <laughs> Knuckles Tales. The Revenge of Trog, part four. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. Letters by Elita Fell. Knuckles, Tails, and Moraine are captured and brought before Trog, who then summons the evil spirit known as the Dark One to transform the Enchanter Kings into beings like him. While Trog and his army are distracted by the Dark One's coming, Knuckles frees the Enchanter Kings, but our heroes don't get far before they are recaptured. Ooh, it's a spookum. Yeah, is, isn't it? It's we wee ghosty. Yeah. yeah, out comes this out of a well there's a really cool it's like a sci-fi thing there's a a huge array of like clamps surrounding Mm. this laser made from two giant there's two giant lenses that the light of the moon goes through and gets narrowed down into a laser beam essentially which goes into a fantasy orb a crystal ball Mm -hmm. and out of that Comes Oh, the first picture of it is so spooky. Yeah, that's this good stuff. This goat-headed, vague thing in smoke, and then it resolves into this big... The thing that we saw in the in the next issue image, this, mm-hmm. this goat guy. This goat
0: ghost demon monster, the really? Dark
1: One, the one whose
0: name is never spoken. Yeah. Previously glimpsed in the original Teal serial way back when, this is the... Mm-hmm. Demon, evil force that transformed the third enchanter king into Trog as he is now, but back then it was just a green tails head with some horns, and Nigel has gone do lally on a big demon goat monster. The Enchanter King's continuing to be charmingly British. Yeah. <laughs> oh well done oh boy. Now look here, Trog. <laughs> they weren't like this when Kitching wrote them before, but I feel like it gives them more personality. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's and it's funny as well, having them all actually clamped into these sort of Frankenstein table things that's obviously going to electrocute them or something, turn them into the monster. And they just go, Steady on, Chargo Man!
0: The whole trappings of the thing, it's far less straight fantasy in the way that all the previous Nameless Zone stories have been, with these big contraptions and these... This is a laboratory of some kind mm. that they're strung up in here, you know. There's a, a sort of sense of a sort of techno magic at work here. Yeah. A, a bit of masters of the
1: universe. I was gonna say, always the best sort of fantasy is where it's fantasy with machines as well. Yes,
0: I tend to agree. <laughs> I feel like there's not a lot to, to really not really
1: dig, no. get
0: our teeth into in this one, yeah, because it's Trog doesn't do an all the talking. There's no fun Tails and knuckles banter or knuckles having to do any pretending or, uh, I mean, Moraine just gets to speak to... Would you she speak more than one line? You know, she says she wants to know if this transformation is what Trog did to her brother. You turned him into a monster. And I was like, well, yeah, how did he turn him into a monster if he's not going to be able to do it to the Enchanter Kings until summoning the Dark One? But then he says, Transforming your brother was a simple matter, my dear. But as for the Enchanter Kings, well, let's just say, I'm
1: going to need a little
0: help. The time is at hand.
1: No, uh, Now, you see, I evidently I wasn't really paying attention because I just assumed that he did summon the Dark One that time as well
0: <laughs> well yeah but if the ti- if, if there's only if the moon must be at its zenith yes. at us in, in, in the eighth house of Aquarius we'll you blood
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> <That>, uh, you'll <laughs> <we'll> get
2: it
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that if that's the only time you can do it once a
1: century when the moon is <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like also how you continued on the line so I can fade it out the
2: same way <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah it i don't feel like there's nothing wrong with this one at all but um it's like they summon the dark one we have this bit where knuckles breaks the restraints on the enchanter king's um, bonds mm-hmm. while the baddies are all distracted Trogan and his goblins and they try to run off and then the dark one just zaps them with eye beams and catches them all again yeah. and it's like Ooh, the What was even, you know, what was even that? We're on middle chapter syndrome here again, where it's just like,
1: this is... Well, yes, do you know, I think what this comic shows me is that I like a Nigel Kitching middle chapter because it's just more it j- i like looking at his drawings oh i mean yeah
0: look look at that panel there where the dark one zaps yeah them and they're all spiraling around in a big beam and bolt yeah. field and like, look at those big huge gritted teeth and mouth that's good now usually whenever you've got a kitchen chapter like this wherever um there's maybe not a lot happening sort of but it, it is because the chapter has one Big idea mm. that it wants to get across. Yeah. And that happens and it's cool, but then there's sort of just not much else happens in it. Yeah. Well, the big, giant, glowing green goat demon ghost yeah. with the eye beams. That's cool.
1: Yeah, that's sufficiently cool that I'm happy with that being what this issue is all about. Exactly. Q
2: zone. Q zone.
0: Let me tell you about this Q zone. Okay. Oh, so it's got codes for Pugsy on the Mega Drive. Yeah and codes for Rocket Knight Adventures on the Mega Drive. And all the screenshots, first of all, are from Sparkster, not Rocket Knight
1: Adventures. (laughs) Oh, okay. So
0: first of all, I was immediately suspicious about any of this.
1: Well, that's definitely Pugsy.
0: No, it was just the Rocket Knight one I was suspicious (laughs) about, because I had
1: Rocket Knight. Yes.
0: And I was like, I don't remember any of this. Oh. So why would it, you know, it's like a level skip, or a very hard level to try a secret hard level. So first of all, This level skip cheat. How would you divine the sentence on the title screen, press up and left 10 times? Oh, God. Yeah, what would you do there? I don't even know. Exactly. Nonsense.
1: There's three things I could do. I could either press up 10 times and then left 10 times. Yeah. Or I could press up and then left 10 times. Up once. Yes,
0: up left, up left, up left, up left. Yes.
1: I wasn't even thinking of that. That's another one. I thought up once and then 10 left. Oh, okay. Another one is to press a sort of diagonal upy lefty thing 10 exactly. times.
0: Exactly. You know, and I'll tell you, the one thing that I didn't try when I got my emulated copy of Rocket okay. Night Out to do this because I didn't remember it.
1: Okay. Oh, you did? Oh.
0: Was press up and then left 10 times.
1: Oh! That's what it is. It's up once, then ten left. I didn't do that one. No. So Oh, so we don't even know. I don't know.
0: Well, uh, the reason I'm... W- well, given that this cheat is listed nowhere on the internet, <laughs> I'm willing to say it's all a load of old balls anyway. Oh, my God.
1: Wow. Is any other level select cheat?
0: This is interesting. Okay. Uh, to me. <laughs> in that there are some differences between the versions of Rock and Knight internationally in this regard, which oh. is that in Japan, it's got normal... Hard, very hard, and crazy hard are the difficulty settings. And in Europe, it's easy, hard, very hard. They just renamed them. Uh, There's no difference. They just renamed them. And in America, Uh they were children, (laughs) easy, normal, and hard. Oh, (laughs) Yes, below this, it says to try a secret hard level. Wait until you hear the Konami logo, blah, blah, blah. And so I did that, and it did work. Uh-huh. And of course, it's not a brilliant hidden new level. Yeah. That's what I was getting excited about. Yeah. I the thrill of playing a part of the game I'd never played before. It's just a different difficulty level.
1: So when they say very hard level, they mean
0: mode. Yes, that's my beef oh exactly uh, the same then for the mega hard
1: setting oh of course this is the same
0: bloody thing. it's just about raising the difficulty level
1: you see i would have expected that from that one because it's mega hard setting but very hard level mm. makes level, you level thi- exactly but, okay, here's what it exactly says listeners to t- very hard level to try a secret hard level or to try a secret hard level which is how i read it wait until you mm. see the konami logo press down six times blah blah blah. you should now be able to select from the options screen and play a brilliant new hidden level so you're Lives i thought it raging. meant like furious i'm imagining a mario maker style
0: very hard yeah, level a different level are you willing to sit there two minutes till i go and try pressing up and then left 10 times all <laughs> right if you're fast okay ah! nope that doesn't work either well that- so this is just a lie it's just wrong i can't find any reference to a level skip cheat for rocket adventures anywhere on the internet i'm willing to say this is entirely made up yes there is a level select code but it's not in the european version of the game oh you can put the code in and it'll make the chime Uh oh but you can't actually activate the the cheat
1: and this isn't it and this is not it okay well i've got one more theory What if the screenshots are right? I looked for Sparkster as well.
0: I couldn't find it for it either. No, I checked that one too.
2: What? What's going on
0: then? (laughs) I'll tell you what though, and this is lame, Okay, but I did get a... tiny little thrill of sitting down with my Mega Drive Mini and STC <laughs> open on the <laughs> ground next to me to look I over bet, and look yeah. at the cheat as I put it in. Proper nostalgia there. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I got my cheats. Mommy, mommy, STC did a cheat for a game I have this, this week. I'm going I'm to try it now. Mommy, it doesn't work, mommy. You do it. I can't make it work.
1: Chris, we need to track down David Gibbon. It says here, that this was written by problem solver David Gibbon I, he can maybe he can solve this problem for us
0: I wager David Gibbon has very <laughs> little memory of the specific cheats he offered in the Q-Zone over the years <laughs> imagine except perhaps any other ones he beefed so badly <laughs> that he had to issue corrections and apologies for
1: I don't think he'll remember them be
0: interested to see if anybody calls him out on this one
1: I'd be willing to put money down if, if you said Sparkster to him he would have no way of visualising who that is yes I think you <laughs> You're right <laughs> i quite like the cheat for pugsy which just says cheat end of level raccoon <laughs> i don't know what that means but if you want that there it is it must be the boss of the level is gonna be a
0: raccoon I access suppose. to other end of level guardians it says here so it must be codes to
1: take you to those end of level boss fights i suppose but that's that's weird isn't it that like yeah that th- he would write it like that well, yeah and even that there's a cheat the, the, so there's one cheat that gives you access to one of the end of level bosses, a raccoon another one end of level galleon and then another one that gives you all the rest I don't know what any of that means I should play Pugsy perhaps well we
0: might have better context for it yeah. yeah. next issue, more Q&A good, I like a and a better than a walkthrough GRAPHIC, Graphic ZONE, zone.
1: Oh, it's a great image when you flip the page, isn't it? It
0: takes you a little bit off guard, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. As Megadroid promised, yeah, back on the control zone, this is an animal-themed graphic zone. And do you know what? To be fair to them, Uh, it genuinely is. Top to bottom, all seven pictures are, what if this Sonic character was a different animal than the animal they
1: are? That's right. And the best one is the first one. (laughs) That's true, yes. (laughs) Which is, so this is by Ashley Scott of Norwich who's drawn the Loch Ness Monster. And it's your basic Loch Ness Monster. Imagine this. Picture this. Picture this. The picture is divided with sand at the top, scribbled yellow, water at the bottom, scribbled blue, a sign that says Lake Loch Ness. That's tautological, but whatever. That's fine. We all get it. It's fine. And there is the typical two humps and a head Mm -hmm. Loch Ness Monster. But the head (laughs) is... Hilarious! (laughs) Hilarious! <laughs> it is the shoutingest robotnik that Ashley Scott could possibly draw. It's your adventures, modern STC style robotnik. He's doing a huge, big shout with his mouth well, as wide as it, wider than it can ever go. With details, you know, that's a, you know, they've looked at what Richard Elson has done. Oh, there. they've
0: definitely copied
1: an Elson with this. All one. the interior top row there. of
0: teeth in there, but no bottom row of teeth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of the like gummyness going on inside. And something about how it's sticking directly up on the top of this neck. How cross he looks as if he doesn't want to be there, like he's pitching a big oh, tantrum. Yeah. And the word raw written in block capital letters next to his head. As a sound effect, yeah. He really does
0: look like he is roaring. It's it, really it's very funny. Effective.
1: It's very effective. And turning the page to reveal it makes it just surprise you into laughter. I love I'm it. I'm still just
0: used to turning the page from the cue zone and going into the final strips. Mm. So they've stuck a graphic zone here once or twice. Mm. And it always catches me by surprise. So when you turn the page and everything, oh, I back at you. It was like, oh, yeah, there's a graphic zone in here. <laughs> uh, mm. Tristian Potter. Made Kent. Has drawn... Well, they think it's Tails, but I don't know that it's Tails, to be honest. Uh It's, it's, what if this Sonic character were a bee? And they've captioned it, a sting in the tail. But I suspect that Tristan may have intended for this to be Sonic. And they have only assumed it's Tails on account of he is orange, like Tails is. Oh, well, a golden, yellow,
1: orange color. So the the evidence for your theory that I can see is that he has Sonic's little shoes on, sticking out. He's got Sonic's he little shoes. He
0: doesn't have tails as cheek tufts or forehead tuft.
1: Or tails? Oh, or tails indeed. <laughs> you'd think you'd pop. I mean, obviously he's a bee, so he wouldn't have a. But you'd pop him on if it was tails, wouldn't you? Sure, sure. You know it was tails,
0: and he's also got the one big uh, conjoined eye, which tails typically
2: doesn't have. Yeah,
1: it does. Yeah, uh, yes. You, you could be onto something there, yeah. I yeah. suspect it's just Sonic the bee. I think it might be. And I like as well that his his whole head is just radiating. There's sun beams coming off There's it.
0: There's a serene energy. Yeah. Radiating from this Sonic bee. <laughs>
1: he's got a little smile. Despite, you know, the necessary angry look that Sonic's monogoggle gives him, he's also got little serene eyebrows above that. So you're probably yeah, supposed to look at completely them. completely...
0: Countermanding the angry eyebrow dip, yeah. such that I don't see anger when I look at it at exactly. all. Exactly,
1: and he's got these lovely big fat feelers, the balls on sticks coming out his head. Mm. Yes, the impression I got from this was, you see, it has the energy of a child drawing tails, doesn't it? It's a cuddly, yes, sweet little boy. Yes, yes. The serenity of it all. <laughs> yeah, but I think you might be right there. Could be.
0: The rest of these are not at all in contention, for they are all blue and yellow and brown uh, renderings of Sonic. Anthony Thomas from Glasgow has drawn Sonic the Ostrich.
1: Yep. Picture that, and you are correct.
0: Yeah, you got it. Scott McRae from Brighton has drawn Sonic the Fish... Uh, which is just a lovely circle. It's a circle with Sonic's face on the front in in side on view in the style of a fish and yeah. some fins. Daniel Rushton from
1: Kent has drawn Sonic the Dinosaur. Tom Keveney from County Galway has drawn Sonic the. Now which one, centipede or millipede? I can never remember. Irrelevant. <laughs> well, it's the one. That's the scary one with the horrible little segmented no. body and all the little legs coming off. You Put it like that. I do enjoy the caption on this one. I mean, it's just a blue
0: millipede, featureless otherwise, but with Sonic's head. But I love the caption, where are my sneakers? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you'd be tempted, wouldn't you, to draw a sneaker on each yeah. leg. And then, having thought about that for a split second, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> and he hasn't done it.
0: I should, that's the STC added caption, not something that, uh, that Tom has yes, put Tom's his on that. <laughs>
1: A cartoonist called Ben Johnson, who's from Oxen, wherever that is, is uh, has drawn Sonic the Sonic, but with what, face paint on? <laughs> sonic the Tiger, I think, is the
0: intention because he's got triangular stripes in a Tony the Tiger style and claws and
1: whiskers. Yes, but the triangles of stripe that he has are only on the, the forehead, the ball of forehead yes. that he has. He's still got a Sonic spike coming off, just the one. He's got, But anyway, it's it's drawn with such a catching smile that uh, this is someone who's one of the kids that's quite good at drawing but is very little
0: i like that he has the cuffs of his socks and his gloves mm. but his hands and feet are uncovered
1: mm, yeah yeah oh an interesting color scheme where like the arms are yellow tiger arms with black you know dr- triangles of stripe mm. garfield-esque whereas the legs are blue but with yellow ones that's but yeah cool. the blue He's, part the history.
0: stripes on his blue parts are yellow yeah. except for the yellow parts where they can't be yellow otherwise you wouldn't see them so really? he's made them black <laughs> you, can see yeah. the, uh, you can see the, the logical work Sonic's World The Seven Badniks Part 4 written by Mark Isles, art by Mike Hadley colours by John Burns and letters by Steve Potter Cam and Bert unleash the Seven on the Palm Tree Panic Badniks in the Green Hill Zone, and the result is a bloodbath, with the surviving Palm Tree Badniks quickly surrendering. They're taken back to the Miracle Planet to deal with the Freedom Fighters camping out there, while the Seven are left in the Green Hill Zone to await their own chance to face Sonic
1: in the future. So. What a load of oil rot. um, I've got a few notes about this. So first of all, you got the the Seven, they come down. I'm still broadly on board with their designs. They do strike me as, you know, enhanced badniks to look nastier. Yep, that's all fine. There is a certain 2000 ad lookiness to them. Uh, I like it. They uh, they land and they say, We are the Seven. Honour, humility and valour. Is that a thing? All I could find about honour, humility and valour was on... Well, blog sites by and for people who are and base their lives around being descended from the Crusaders, and I chose not to delve too deep into that. Couldn't say. I mean, it just sounds like a sort of knightly swear. I quite liked the gag on the next page where the fish one, whose main visual attributes are this big, sharp set of fangs in a great big grinny jaw and uncomfortably tall eyes that are really, really squinty but are uncomfortably mm-hmm. tall at the same time. Opens its mouth and it's an alien. Yes, got I, a little I've mouth just on
0: remembered. Stick. His name is Chop Alien. Oh, so, yeah, is no, that is a hundred. That was that was intended ahead of time. So now I see he didn't just think up that gag on the fly here for the fourth part when he named yeah. this thing Chop Alien and intended for it to have a big, long, distended, stretched back head and the old in, mouth inside the mouth striking jaws. Which, to be fair, hardly appears to have drawn as a pair of. Denture-style yes. joke, chattering false teeth, yeah, <laughs> rather
1: than a set of menacing fangs. So I, I, all round, I I found that quite funny. That that was that was good, sort of. You know, it wasn't it wasn't riotously funny, but it was all right. Quite enjoyed that. Next page, I'm still fine with it. You know, they're doing all this badnik swapping stuff. Oh, okay, what are they doing? They're putting these badniks here, they're putting those badniks there. All all fine. And then you reach the conclusion and. It's, it's so annoying. It's, it turns
0: out it's been a four-part story about nothing. Nothing. It's been a four-part story that took until the end of its third part to introduce the characters that it was named after, who then proceed to functionally do nothing. It was another instance yeah. of... It's another, it's another Zone Runner, where it's the story has served to be a, about Isles taking a whole story to introduce his own original characters... With a view, presumably, to doing a sequel where they would actually oh, face maybe. Sonic, presumably. But That's no, the it, thing. it's never. They never told it. That's and-
1: the thing. I spent this whole story going, okay, so they'll make these big badniks, and then Sonic will have to defeat them somehow, which is going to be especially difficult because everything about you know what the comic tells me and like the way that they look does make me feel as if they'll be in some way tough, impervious yeah. to spin attacks or what have you, tough. So they build the seven. Here's what actually happens. They're guarding the Green Hill zone now, the seven. That so that changes the Green Hill Zone. The Green that is zone...
0: fundamentally ridiculous that these seven <laughs> killing machines have been yeah. plunked in the little the peaceful Green Hill zone, just over the hill from where Sonic usually hangs out. Like. Yeah.
1: So that's now what the Green Hill Zone is. It's now the base of these terrible things, and it's now the story now is Sonic. Or someone, you know, I thought I thought maybe by misadventure, Cam and Burt would accidentally deactivate them or whatever. Sonic is going to have to defeat these somehow. And it, that's it. Sonic never goes there and finds out about the Seven. There's never a fight. We never hear of them again. So this whole thing has been the setup for a story we never
0: get. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it'd be one thing if this just ended with the potential for a sequel that wound up never happening. Like Kid Mm. Chameleon, for instance, you know. Mm. But the second Kid Chameleon serial wasn't just set up for a third thing that never got made. It had its own story that it was telling. And this is nothing. There was nothing in
2: this.
1: It turns out that literally all that happened in this is they swapped badniks from one place to another and and swapped them back. Why do...
0: Mm, I know why, because it's only four parts long, and it was designed to end. Now, why wouldn't you take the super bad nicks that you just built and drop them on Sonic instead of taking the old yes. ones back?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's nothing, and it reminds yeah. you
0: of your scorn for Barf.
1: Yeah, because I'd been getting along with this comic. Yeah. That's the thing. I was doing all right. I was like, oh, actually, mm, I quite like this, and it was just a waste of time it really was it genuinely and not just because they never made the
0: sequel to it you know it just amounted to nothing in and of itself
1: why would you okay if you are a writer of comics that are about or ostensibly about sonic why would you end your story there why why hadn't you, like you knew you were why... getting four parts right i wonder i mean I,
0: Could it been... no, I mean it's only a barf sonic's world no sonic's world story has been longer than three parts before now it?
1: yeah so why aren't you i feel as if this story there's no reason it couldn't have been covered and then some in four parts like part one part one we need to make the big robots part two we make the big robots part three and four sonic versus the big robots part three sonic faces the big
0: robots and things look bad part four sonic defeats the big robots
1: or, or, because this is a Camembert strip and a Sonic's World strip, I would allow, as I said before, that misadventure on the part of Camembert, either because they do something wrong, or because they made them wrong in the first place, or there's some punch like... Yeah, like it, it a it would, simple
0: Frankenstein story where their creations turn on them.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, I'd even, I would allow for a jokey ending that's stupid where the robots just bicker with each other and shoot each other or their heads yeah. get swapped or some some daft thing happens but nothing happens and nothing ever will yeah it's i don't mean nothing happens it that it's boring it just stops before the thing that this is set up for which is sonic goes there and meets them and they shoot at him Happ- that never happens. It never also,
0: happens. is it me or have Cam and Bert been progressively getting uglier over the course of this <laughs> four-part story? Because they look awful in this part.
1: I mean, it, it's tricky for me to tell because I know I mean, they how... always looked nasty, but yeah, and I remember how bad they used to look, which is even worse than this. So, <laughs> I mean, look at I don't Bert know. there
0: with his with his dungarees that end in spats <laughs> on the third page, and and oh. and and. and, 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 and God help me, but I have to wonder if somebody passed down an editorial note mm. to tell Hadley to stop drawing Cam with boobs.
1: Oh, they're gone? You're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, All right, don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about how, you know, I don't know, I guess I, you know, I probably should have noticed that and I didn't. No, they're um, hard
0: to look at. They're ugly critters. Like Cam, Cam was previously the more hideous of the two, but she was hideous in an interesting way. Here she's just she in this four parter she's just been unpleasant to look at because she just she she looks weird and sanitized and softened and 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 ugh, just like not well drawn. That's always been the case with this more, air quotes, realistic cat face that they've given her, versus the fanged, slit-eyed monster that she was in the first Barf strip.
1: Yes, whereas I've no real complaints to make at all about any of the other things in the art. No. The yeah. backgrounds, the settings, the Sonic-y characters, the badniks. I'm happy with how that's all drawn. The effect, very good effect, actually, on page two of this sort of... The, the incredible it's unarmed panel this guy coming out through yeah, yeah, billowing the, smoke the and fire
0: coming through the fire yeah
1: that's really cool
0: bit of a bit of a goof there actually on the first page this reminded me wherever we see the panel of the seven opening fire and one of the yeah badniks going by goes oh what's going on and then there's a speech bubble that says destroy the seven and it's one of the seven saying it.
1: oh dear <laughs> whoops is it indeed? It is yes. Indeed. So it is. Whoops.
0: Whoops! doo! That is a whoops. This whole strip has been a bit of a whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whoops. And that's a wrap on barf. No more of them. Yeah. No more of this.
2: <laughs>
1: that's it. Is it? You is can't it?
0: say you're very sad, are you? Yep. No more barf strips. That's it. Never see them again.
1: Huh. Okay. So I've survived it then. There, yeah. That was that was the thing I was least looking forward to in all of STC, and now it's behind me. Forever? I need never look never, at it never again. Never look at it again, yeah. I mean, that was already true before we started doing this. <laughs> well, <before laughs> but then it then, became untrue. It became untrue, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the strip ends with Sonic and Co laying into the palm tree badniks as they return to the zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bert wonders, Bert says out loud, I wonder how we'd have done against the Seven. And the ending caption says, So do we. But for now, this mm. is the
1: end. <sighs> So do we. Well, tell us him, then. For
0: good. Yeah, if you wondered, you could have told us quite easily, actually.
2: Speedlines.
0: What well, we got on the Speedlines today, Nicole J. Barry from Stoke-on-Trent writes in with a letter they have captioned, young, gifted, and red, to say, I am interested to find out if Knuckles will get a girlfriend. Also, I think STC's free gifts are the best, especially the Sonic Scrap Pad and the new Lucasfilm 58. I, cu- I
1: couldn't believe that when I, I saw it. You might have a reaction, yeah. What on earth? That's the one, isn't it? That's the, yeah, the, no the unusable little pad that we whinged about at great length. Apparently, it is Nicole J. Barry's favourite, favourite free gift. Now, look, I've already highlighted the differences between being... A 1995 girl <laughs> and a 1995 boy. We have a Nicole J here, which I take to be a female name. So maybe the girls just wanted to make little notes on little pads that you can't really use, and that's what they were into. Yeah, ladies, do let us know if you agree with that. As
0: we said at the time, Dave. The purpose of a, of a notepad to you or I at that age yeah. would have been to draw on. Yes. But passing wee notes, mm. I'm given to understand was a popular activity among the girls at school at that time.
1: I'm given to understand that, but I'm also given to understand that pretending you don't read Sonic the Comic was as well. That
0: was what I was going to say, because could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine that note being passed in class? Do you like me? Yes, extremely. Tick as applicable, and it's on a piece of Sonic the Comic note paper, like, you know... Try making a fortune teller, catch her out of one of those pieces of paper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, if that was a boy that she was passing that note to, then that would be an extra incentive to tick the extremely. Mm,
0: But it's a very uh, niche function.
1: There you are. You're (laughs) 13. And not only does a girl pass you a do you like me, yes, no, But it's an STC one? That's a yes. That is a yes. (laughs) I don't know if Dave's
0: ever told the story of how he met his wife on the show, but, uh, I mean,
1: very, very similar to that, frankly, but in a... Less of a note, more of an email.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Megadroid suggests that Nicole consult the control zone for details of the next free gift. But in response to her question about if Knuckles is going to get a girlfriend says, maybe that's her at the top of this page. Directing us
1: upward to a piece of art by Robbie Lowe from Bexhill-on-Sea. Dave? So, a picture that looks so much like it's copied from something, but Mm. goodness knows what it might be copied from. A dancing couple, ballroom dancing. And ice skating. You're right, an ice skating couple, ice skating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But not just people. No. Weird, distended cartoon people. This is the thing. One of them is Sonic and one is Knuckles, but kind of forget that for a moment. Forget that, yeah, that
0: was going to say, barely even worth mentioning.
1: Human proportion. Yes. The Knuckles one, a very ripped, muscly... Skating lady with none of your eyelashes and lipstick nonsense. Oh, no. We have a little skirt and breasts and muscles, rippling muscles, right? Angry expression. The Sonic that is in a full dinner suit, mm-hmm. dinner jacket, bow tie, with an extra added twist, which is that he has legs as long as he is and as long as the partner is that are going off in all directions. Yeah, he's a
0: big beanpole of a dude.
1: Yeah, one leg is like having to bend over in half d- with with a really long knee. It's like mm-hmm. a really, really long leg. The other one is just frankly sticking right up into the air, off into the sky. It goes all the way up knuckles and past his head and off For into the air.
0: all the world must have been copied from a cartoon of ice skating from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, yeah. It's, a, it's a classic cartooning image of two partners, one thin and tall and the other short and round. It's classic cartoon pairing. And it seems like he's copied that. Yeah. And I would be willing to go so far as to say, then drawn, cut out and stuck onto the yes. bodies. Yes. Sonic and Knuckles' heads.
1: That's what it looks like. They look separate. And there's this odd sort of blurry quality to the whole thing, Mm -hmm. almost as if it's a still from a weird animation. Or or cut
0: out of a photograph in and of itself.
1: Oh, I think you've got it. I think STC has cut this out of the background. I don't know what the background was. It's, It's bizarre. It's really fascinating. And Robbie Lowe, please, we say this every time, but if you are out there. What was going on there? And what you've just heard was us being massive wallies because as DMTF has pointed out on Twitter, it's from Mutant League in issue 34. That's what it is. Why didn't we notice that? As soon as we were shown it, we were both like, oh, yes, of course it is. All right, back to the podcast.
0: It's not inherently any weirder than William Parker from Carlisle's drawing off to the right.
1: Yeah. So, STC has chosen to describe this as Mona Sonic. And I disagree.
0: You know, I would have thought Mona Lisa, looking at it, it is it is a picture of Sonic, essentially. Big essentially. big head, small body, but... Yeah. In a, in a black dress with uh, long black hair, sitting on a stool. Yeah, yeah. Now, he, he is giving a thumbs up, and he's holding something in his hand. So, this is
1: the thing. The, the right hand is holding... It's impossible to tell what exactly it is. It's just a... It's a brown stick. Little brown stick.
0: So I could see how anybody could come to the conclusion that this was some kind of Mona Lisa with Sonic's face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The
1: conclusion makes sense to me. The left hand is doing a thumbs up. Doing a thumbs up. Or it could be that the thumb is interacting, pressing on the stick. Could be. In some way.
0: Do you think... He's supposed to be a painter sitting on a little painter's stool. Could be. And the brown stick is a paintbrush. Could be. And the thumb is him holding up his thumb to, you know, like artists do to, in cartoons to appraise... and things, but nobody's ever done in real life ever.
1: Could be. Next thing we have is that uh, there's a an interesting way that William has drawn the eyes with a sort of a thick eyebrow line along the top of them that nobody mm-hmm. else draws. So that's interesting.
0: Mascara, because it is a woman.
1: Ah, yes. And it is a woman, and it has woman hair that is cut off just above Mm -hmm. the shoulders in a straight line. Imagine Magicka Dispel. That is the next words that were going to be out of my mouth were... Really? Oh my god, I I was just trying to describe it for the audience at home. Honestly, I think this is Sonic as Magicka Dispel. That's actually what I think this is. Or at least, it's one theory I have. The other theory I have... And I was sh- Because it looks just like Magicka Dispel, but she doesn't hold a little stick. That's the only thing. That's the only yeah, reason I think it is... she use a wand, does she, to do her magic? Well, she's got, like, a big staff, but it's not a little stick. It's a big staff. The other thing... And I was like, well, it won't be this, because this hadn't happened yet. But it had happened yet. No. She looks just like Mystic Meg. Yeah,
0: I mean, this yeah. This could be
1: Sonic could as be. Mystic Meg. But if so mystic meg listeners was the arbitrary fortune teller that they had to have on the national lottery
2: dream maker planet neptune and venus spin fortunes for scorpio and capricorn and someone who bought a ticket at 6 p.m today the power of the pendulum is spelling out packed and Kathy as winning names, and a woman wearing dark blue is serving drinks. A grey cat with golden eyes is close by. Insurance workers, bin men, and a dentist will be celebrating too.
1: Which started I thought in like around nineteen ninety-six or seven, but now I would
0: have said seven, yeah, why? We both think seven. We might
1: be thinking of the launch of Channel 5. (laughs) No, it started in 94. Mm. It was long established by this time. Saturday night TV, a little bit of light entertainment, and then they draw the numbers, the balls. National Lottery started then, big deal in the UK, still going. But she didn't hold a little brown stick either. Nope. I don't know what this is, but that's what it looks like. It looks like Mystic Meg. And it's the right time for it to be Mystic Meg. So I think it's Mystic Meg or the alternative is Mona Lisa. But like, that's not what Mona Lisa's hair does. No, no, it's not. It's not not cut off in a straight line there. I'm still
0: leaning towards that being a paintbrush and him doing the artist's thumb up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. So what painter looked like that? These are the sorts of questions that we will never have an answer to. Um, William Parker. Tell us, please, what on earth is going on here?
0: From Carlisle in Cumbria, if you
1: knew William Parker and Carlisle who owned a Mega Drive. Oh, yeah, because, by the way, if you've ever hesitated, we recommend you dob in your friends. Oh, God. uh, If you know anyone who was in an STC, if you were friends with anyone at school who ended up in the pages of Speedlines, get them on board. Get them to contact us.
0: Below that one, we've got a letter from Peter Fagan from Melrose in Scotland, who wants to know if Sega have stopped making Master Systems games because you can't find any. And Megadroid says that sadly Sega are gradually phasing out the Master System console. Mm -hmm. But all is not lost, as you'll
1: still be able to find existing games for some time. Right. Existing games. Yeah, the no new ones, yeah. It sounds as if It's official. They have axed the Master System. It sounds as if, reading between the lines, there will be no more Master System games and probably no more production of the machine, but they've still got stock that they're clearing out. According
0: to Wikipedia, the Master System ceased production in 1996 in the EU. So, I mean, we're now more than halfway through 95, so its demise is very close. But Japanese production ended in 91, and North American production ended in 92
1: so that 1991 i never oh. knew that so we were making our own master systems just because purely like it was fine to have one here it was popular well sega was such a dominating force over here so you know yeah the more affordable
0: version of the brand name Well,
1: that's the thing in my school the kids who had a master system were either the poorer families or Mm-mm-mm. the ones who had a Master System, and their parents are like, you've just got your Master System, we're not buying a Mega Drive. You know, who eventually got Mega Drives later on, like when I did, for example.
0: They still sell Master System-branded
1: systems in Brazil. Just, just just read that here on Wikipedia. What is going on? I'll never understand Brazil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean Terry Gilliam was well-known for his impenetrable movies. Hey!
1: <laughs> and the final letter titled will you know come back craig mcnulty of glasgow so they're doing that thing where they have to comment on where they're joke
0: about where the person's from but it's all right because they're only scottish
1: (laughs) is dear scc once again there were no sega bus tour dates for scotland this summer oh fair enough to be heard in scotland and being scottish i'm beginning to wonder if they're allergic to us up here And uh, Megadroid replies, well, even though the Sega buses do their best to cover the UK as much as possible, Craig, it seems they're more allergic to travelling long distances. They're based in the south of England and are getting on a bit, like the Humes who think they're in charge. They last headed north of the border in April for the Puma Street Soccer event. Is that familiar to you? Nope. Nope. And prior to that, went to the Glasgow Youth Week in February. In an ideal Hume world, there'd be at least one Sega bus based in all of the individual regions. Yes, that's right, actually. Yes. I don't know why they didn't do that. A
0: positively gargantuan response there in yeah. terms of column inches. There's a yeah.
1: semicolon in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes on for ages. That, that That's what we want. That's like old STC. Yeah. Age, do you
0: remember back when they used to fit four letters on the speed lines? I'd forgotten there used to be four letters every yeah. issue.
1: Yeah, because they didn't used to use the gigantic font that they use now.
0: They switched to three ages ago. Like last yeah. year. Yeah. So it's not even a consequence of the redesign. Anyway, that's got nothing no. to do with nothing. Are there any letters in
1: our mailbag? We've got a letter here from Mike who says, Hi guys, recently discovered the podcast and I've been speeding through your back catalogue, although I'm only just on this year. It's a joyous time that brings me to something I deeply wanted as a child, but never got to have. As <sighs> a child's a bit too young to see STC in its heyday. And it says, in brackets, date of birth, born in 1990 oh just a bit eh? yeah yeah Uh,
0: you gotta be about seven or eight before i think stc is really hitting you gotta be about that age and it's just about to end by the time he's turning
1: eight yeah it was a mysterious comic kept in enormous stacks by the older brothers of friends yes yeah brilliant on the rare occasion i would be at a newsagent's any comic that wasn't a Beano or a dandy would be nowhere to be seen By the time I was a bigger boy, going with my own pocket money, it would be going on those PlayStation magazines that came with the demo discs. By Mm. then, I had pretty silly amounts of pocket money. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime around 99 or 2000, I found a copy while on holiday in Wales. It was brilliant. I vaguely remember a story with, I think, Knuckles in the Sandopolis zone? Maybe. Could be the original story from the... um... The
0: adaptation, but that would have been a reprint from later that on. That would have been a it's reprint, yeah. There know you go. Because obviously, if you're if you're getting the ninety nine two thousand, you're well into the era where the comic was mostly, if not entirely, made up
1: of all reprints
0: and I don't I honestly don't know what stories they reprinted and what issues they reprinted them in so no, like, we uh, don't know so but, yeah.
1: and we're not going to cover it on this podcast either no but
0: I mean we will find out because we'll yeah. have the issues in our hands and we'll see oh they yeah. reprinted that one and we'll be able to go got all this new stuff, a load of oil rot look how great this reprint is though <laughs> we'll be able to do yeah. things
1: like that <laughs> basically I feel like I missed the boat and have really enjoyed getting a chance stroke excuse to actually hmm. read these yes. comics yes reading good along man, reading good along. man reading along ta very much Mike P.S. and here's a question for us have either of you played that really weird Sonic RPG that came out on the DS it was made by Bioware and it had some of oh, the worst the control one. choices I've ever witnessed <laughs> let me know if you want lens
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I played that I did did you? I
0: did not play it no, I, I, no my friend did play it and likes to call it the best Sonic game. <laughs> wow. Specifically to annoy me. Okay. Purposefully, that's why he does it. Okay. As, as a person who at the time, and has since softened, but still would not really play them out of choice, does not mm. love JRPGs, even though I know the mechanics of it are a bit different, I wouldn't really go out of my way to play it. Yeah. I primarily know it as the game that ruined Sonic comics forever because Ken Penders got his dander up about it, and it was the it oh, was the yeah. inciting incident that uh, that caused all of that to oh, happen. Oh yeah! Just in case there's any listeners, and Mike, I'm getting the sense maybe you don't know this yourself, but but um, because that game had an an evil brotherhood of echidnas in it. Ken Penders, the writer of the uh, the Archie Sonic comic book, believed that they were ripping off his original character's Do Not Steal that he had created for the Archie book, and it was the inciting incident of a lawsuit that forced the reboot of the Archie comics. And we don't know the full story, but I'm still going to stick to my guns and keep on saying that the reason Archie eventually was cancelled entirely and lost the license was a, a spiralling result of all of that, even though nobody's ever come out and officially said it. So yeah, that, that, I think, is the true lasting legacy of that game and why it'll never be re-released or, or anything like
1: that again. Yeah. Well, I did play it. I played it on a bus. And I couldn't really justify playing it for very long. It was... Um, I was so excited. It was my first Bioware game. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played your Baldur's Gate. I hadn't even... Mass Effect, that, I think, was out, but I hadn't played it yet. I just knew their reputation. And I just had this lingering residual desire that I've had since the early days of me being online and talking about Sonic, to see what a Sonic RPG would be like. Sure. But I didn't quite do it. I can't remember why. I remember liking like the background art and stuff. It just, honestly, maybe it was the music. I couldn't get through it because, the, do you know about the music, what they did there? No, no. Oh, it was the worst. It was, let me find it for you because you got to hear <laughs> this. Hang on hang on a minute
0: i'll probably listen to this and be like yeah fine whatever you know you're much more susceptible to musical issues
1: than i am oh you reckon so do you okay okay i'm,
0: okay, I'm gonna deliberately say it's all right now just to annoy you <laughs> <laughs> and that will be the way that this cycle of this game continues to affect my life
1: <laughs> you're not even going to be able to bring yourself to say that this is okay did you have a ds chris i did have a ds Dave. okay so, you know what DS's are generally supposed to sound like? Yeah. Listen to this music from Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. Okay. And try and find a, a moat inside you that can justify it. Make sure you get at least about 30 seconds in I'm this.
0: skipping through it because I'm waiting for the f- beat to drop, and it's not. It's just like that the no. whole way through. It feels like it's.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's pretty bad. What they did here. I can't remember if this was one of your games, but you may recognise that that's sort of a tune from Sonic 3D on the Mega Drive.
0: Oh, yeah, I kind of hear it, yeah.
1: very 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 good uh tune on you know the sonic 3d soundtrack is like one of the better mega drive soundtracks and and that's a great tune in it what they did allegedly at least according to sonic retro i say here for legal reasons in sonic chronicles the dark brotherhood is that they downloaded fan-made midis Mm. of sonic tunes that's certainly what this sounds like and they put it in and it's awful it's like big but Bit. In a
0: series so well known for its music, like yeah, that was nothing. Yeah,
1: I seem to remember they also did the big Sonic Three and boss tune. Mm. Except it's such an inept impression of it that you have to really like figure it out. On, and you're, you're waiting ages after the first note for there to even be another note because it doesn't sound like there's going to be one. They ran out of time and they didn't have a soundtrack and it's unacceptable. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Here's one from Chris Gould who says, Hey boomers who think they're in charge. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. I've really appreciated listening to you chaps exploring both the wider historical context and the specific experience of being a UK kid growing up in the 90s. What finally inspired me to get off my bottom and write in was issue number 55, where you were talking yet again about the Sega bus, as mentioned in today's Speedlines, and making inquiries about people's personal stories about being on them. Well, I'm one of those lucky boomers who actually got to visit one.
0: Brilliant! But this is our second episode in a row with somebody who got on a Sega bus. They do exist!
1: They do! At long last, my tale can be told. Thanks to my own memories and a bit of detective work, I got my geek on and worked out that I had my Sega Bus experience at something called the Future Entertainment Show which apparently took place at Olympia Exhibition Centre in London from the 11th to 14th of November 1993.
0: That rings a bell. Maybe they mentioned it in the... It does, doesn't it? Yeah, the future entertainment show, yeah.
1: In context for boomers wanting to know where that fits with the STC timeline, based on the cover date at least, this is right around issue 13, with Sonic and the Evil Extra Life, the first Echo Strip and the infamous STC belt clip. For the purposes of backstory, I myself am nine years old at this point, fully signed up to the wonderful world of Sonic fandom, having played on my older cousin's copy of the game round his house. Somehow, I must have found out about the game Expo. I wonder if STC mentioned it in a news zone. Yeah, I think so. Mm. So off my nine-year-old self went, along with my dad, to Olympia in November... I recall the show was heavily promoting the 1994 Winter Olympics game. And while I have no memory of that game itself, I do distinctly remember it for the giant vertical drop slide they were using to promote the title. Oh, cool. Ooh, yeah. I, was, I wasn't i was brave enough I to go on that. I told the story on the yeah. show about how I wound up with a scorched back from a misadventure on a vertical slide. That's right, because you're supposed to go down those a sack a or sack, on, a, yeah. on a mat or something. Oh, yeah. Which Dad reluctantly let me queue up for, and then subsequently regretted as I ended up getting nasty friction burns on both of my elbows. There we go. I was not the only fool. For not raising my arms as I slid down. Mm. so I guess they think that trousers are enough no you should, your t-shirt's always well, sure, it's gonna I'll ride up in. yeah yeah let me tell you I ended up with some pretty epic scabs for the following weeks ouch oh yeah I remember that did you get scabs on your back must have done god pterodactyl I just remember the experience I
0: remember the size of the thing not not the actual because you can't see it so you can't really appreciate it when it's all the way around there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: you can't appreciate it the way you used to appreciate a good scab when you were 11
1: but enough about all that you wanted to know about the Sega bus, which was parked inside Olympia as part of the Sega stand, and you can find a photo of it in situ in STC issue 17's control zone. All the seating was removed from the lower deck, so it was standing only with TV monitors along the edges. Unfortunately, I can't remember what games were loaded up to play down there, but the upper deck I remember much better because that's where I spent most of my time. That was the competition space. The layout up there had booth seating facing forwards and backwards, one monitor for each bench. So me and my dad are there sat at the back of the bus, and I am ready to rumble. Dad remembers there was a mix of competitors that day. There was kids like me, there was teenagers, and there was even some 20-somethings who were taking this clearly way more seriously than (laughs) I probably was. The game we're being challenged on was only playing Blummin' Sonic 2, you know? Oh yeah. Highest score after five minutes is the winner. God, imagine playing Sonic 2 based on score. I know. Ugh. So before you know it, I'm off and I'm getting stuck into the challenge. I remember being aware that most of the other players' screens that I could see were doing speedruns. I recall some had got as far as Aquatic Ruin Zone by the end. I was very slow by comparison. I think I only got to the start of Chemical Plant by the end of the whole five minutes. But all these months playing through the early levels of the game meant that I knew where every ring and power-up was yeah. in the Emerald Hill Zone. So I just went around bopping every not TV. not going to get anywhere trying to do a speed run. No, they, they misunderstood the concept of the challenge I just went around bopping every TV in Batagoga fine until the time's up after finishing, Dad asks how I thought I'd done and remembers me being a bit disappointed that this was the newer game and I'd remarked I had more experience of the first one. Clearly, not much confidence in my abilities. But when the organizer came down the aisle, checked my screen and then asked for my name, naive little me had no idea how I'd done compared to everyone else, so I just assumed he was being nice and talking to everyone. And it really was a genuine surprise and delight to both me and my dad when the guy announced to the whole top deck that I had won!
2: Way! I got brought up to the
1: front of the bus to claim my prize. I had won a snazzy Sega on the road t-shirt with Sonic zipping past on the front and the skull mascot for the pirate TV yeah! Sega adverts on the back in a ridiculously sized XL. <laughs> oh, it's always
0: the way, isn't it?
1: Uh, I don't think I cared. Not to be too sentimental about the whole thing, but it's one of the few things I've ever won in my life and I think I can confidently say that the bus was one of the highlights of my nerdy childhood. Hell yeah. From Chris Gould, Sonic Water Fun game owner. Yes, somebody bought me one back (laughs) in the day.
0: Thanks very much for your letter, Chris. It's great to hear about the Sega boss, and especially from somebody who won to find out how it all worked. Can't believe they graded you on score. Next issue...
2: Cybernix back!
0: Hey, I didn't think. I didn't think about what was replacing Barf. I was still so mad oh. about it being a big nothing, and then here's Cybernix back, and it's like "I oh, go picture a short fuse himself, and he's breaking a chain. He's pulling a chain in half, and it says Cybernix back for a chain Hey! Plus, we got the free Sonic Eraser and Sonic Project Brutus. Oh, oh. this is gonna be good. This is a yeah. this is a this is a Lou Stringer double bill on the Sonic's World and Project Brutus mm-hmm. for although we have Brutus there and it's yes it's Brutus one of Stringer's greatest creations. This is also the Sonic's World cybernetic story that brings a certain green canary into the thing. Oh,
1: is it really? It really is. Yes. Yeah. So oh look at goodness. you with your sarky little ooh, it and the as a sarky of what ooh, I actually and then it said. Pitched hey, off. You. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it is two great stringer creations three great stringer creations throw the cybernick in there it's a big loose stringer issue but then we've also got
1: echo enters the vortex knuckles and tails afraid of the dark <laughs> and vector the crocodile oh, snappy i was like, uh, for a minute there. i was like did i forget the vector got a strip and i've <laughs> done this every issue that they've teased one of these so far snappy pin up of course it's vector's yeah. turn
0: issue 63 is on sale saturday the 14th of october Uh, £1.20. That brings us to the end of another issue. Whenever you're looking for next issue, you'll be able to find it most places good podcasts are available, or you can download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com.
1: You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast. And you can follow us individually, I'm at Demontomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely, and we're also on YouTube under those names as well. You can support the show. You can. You actually can. If you like this, and you're like, how do people do this, how much time does it take up out of their lives? Yeah, well, you're quite right to think that, so really, <coughs> you ought to give us a little hand. But you get exclusive things in return if you do, such as the videos where we go over the Martin Adams novels, and the ones where I read Chris, my teenage fanfic that I was writing at the time these issues were coming out, and also, around the time of this episode, there is going to be an extra clip on there for all of you Americans or juvenile people who were sniggering all the way through the bit where we were talking about rubbers, because our editor Sam, an American, had his microphone on the first time he listened to it. You can get all of that by supporting us over at patreon.com forward slash stctp, and the proceeds from that allow us to have and pay for an editor, which is Sam Gabriel, who you can find at samgabrielvo.com. Our theme song is synchronized
0: by Sonic the Comic the Band, who's work you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com but we have been sonic the comic the podcast and we'll see you yeah. next time yeah easy listening out vibe hey guys welcome to my show uh, sonic the asmr the podcast
1: <laughs> way past cool <laughs>
2: It just goes around tiptoeing, collecting rings slowly.